This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Friends and family, welcome to this month's journey in the DeLorean on tracks. We don't drive a car, we drive a train. The Wrestle Tracks train. Welcome to Wrestle Tracks for the month of February. I am your uh, co host, Scott Criscola, and uh, I am going to have to admit a truth. Uh, but I'm, let me bring in my uh, co-host, the uh, the man from the Isle of Long, uh, Mr. Greg Diener. Hello, GD. How are you? Oh, Scott, when you said a train, I thought you were going to mention the Super Train, but that's my other podcast where we talk about Super Train. So, oh, I was I was going to say Ice Train, but we're not in that part of WCW. <laughs> no, <laughs> they might um, say that there'd be some fire with Ice Train. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Greg, always a pleasure. Um, all right, so I have to I have to break the fourth wall here, folks. I try to I, in my uh, well, this month has been uh, 13 years of podcasting. Uh, I have always tried to be honest with all of you as viewers and listeners, depending whether it's video or audio. So I tried to admittedly stack the deck for this month's episode of uh, Russell Tracks. You know, Greg and I do this every month, and we we appreciate the support, the downloads, the comments you give us. We always have a fun time. But I said to Greg, I'm like, you know what? We got to try to do a shorty. We keep doing these long pay-per-views and they go late. I said, let me try to stack the deck and see what happens. So if you looked at uh, the ballot for the month of February, you notice two of the three shows uh, were uh, TV shows that were barely over an hour. The first two main events, of course, 1988, Hogan Andre, and 1989, when the Mega Powers exploded. And then Greg goes, ah, we well, should throw something else in there. It's all right, all right, we'll, we'll throw something non-WWF. Let's, uh, ah, Super Brawl 2, why not? Uh, it's the only documented pay-per-view in professional wrestling history that ran on leap year day, as far as I know. I'm probably wrong on that, but I'll have to look. Um, but I guarantee you the other two are going to win. Well, the best laid plans. Guess what one? Yes, tonight on the February edition of Wrestle Tracks, we're going to go back to Milwaukee on Leap Year Day 1992 for Super Brawl 2. And that's okay. That's okay. I'll do I'll watch anything. I was just trying to stack the deck a little. But you guys voted and I thank you. You're the best. Now, so, now, now I think there's a reason why that mm-hmm. it won. Yeah. Cuz it's Sting's last match. 
That is coming up uh, later. If you're listening to this as it drops, this coming Sunday is AEW Revolution, and it is Sting's last match. So people were feeling very uh, nostalgic. So maybe because if the, he is in the main event this evening, big win. Uh, so maybe that's possible. Good call, Greg. I didn't think of that. Um, so maybe that's possible. So uh, looking ahead, doing a little housekeeping before we get started. Uh, later on in this, uh, on here, on our show tonight, um, I will announce the three bat three, the, uh, three choices for the March, uh, wrestle tracks ballot, uh, hint it's all the same pay-per-view. I think, you know, what pay-per-view that is. Um, oh, it's uncensored. Yes, absolutely. And the last pay-per-view in ECW history. No, um, <laughs> uncensored. Well, if uncensored 95 was on there, Jennifer Smith would definitely vote for that over anything. WrestleMania. Oh, I'd um, vote for that too. <laughs> um, of course we will be doing three WrestleManias. Uh, two of them actually, uh, kind of are, uh, very similar or, or have a theme. And that's because of one of my dearest friends on the planet that I love so much. And I'll explain that at the end. Uh, also looking ahead, and Greg and I talked about this last month on the January show. June, June will be viewers choice month. Let me explain. So in May, if you go to the place to be Facebook page, uh, we are going to open up a thread and we want you, our listeners to pick what will be on the ballot for June, not what you want to watch, but what you want on the ballot for June. And we'll look at the picks and whatever has the most or what we like, what we think. Those three matches will be on the June ballot and will be uh, and will be vote will be able to be voted on in June. And you could pick anything. Television, a TV show, a pay-per-view does not matter. And it doesn't matter the promotion within reason. It could be WWE, WCW, ECW, Global. I don't give a shit. Uh, TNA. New Japan, although I'll have to give Greg my New Japan World login if that's the case. Uh, anything you want. The only prerequisite is that the show had to have taken place in the month of June. That's it. Could be anything. So keep that in mind. Uh, we will open up that bat. We'll open up that thread sometime in May, and then, of course, as I always do, second week of June, uh, the ballot will be unfurled. But we'll have a couple. We have a couple months to uh, do other ballots before that. So later on in the show, I'll. Uh, I'll announce what the three picks are on the March uh, Mania ballot. But enough yapping for me. Let's get fired up, Mr. Diener, shall we? Yeah. All right. So if everyone has the cock or if you have the t the tape or hell, if you have the. Uh, uh, the I don't think they ever did a DVD for it. So no. if you're watching it on VHS, uh, that sounds like fun. Uh, or if oh, you have oh. it on Peacock. Although, hold on, Scott. If you have it on VHS, the original Turner VHS, there's probably some matches missing. That is true. Yeah. If if it's if your if your runtime is shorter than two hours forty nine minutes and nineteen seconds, uh, you kind of can't use that one. So you, I, I I suppose you have to be on uh, on the cock. So if everyone is ready, if they're on Peacock or if you're listening overseas, if you're on the WWE Network, uh, go to Super Brawl. Go to the second one, Super Brawl Two. Super Brawl 1 was 1991. That was the uh, Flair uh, Fujinami match, which is actually pretty damn good. Um, pick the second one. And here we go. In three, two, one. 
All right, we get great early 90s graphics. <laughs> um, we've got a banger of matches. I don't say bangers of matches, but some matches are really great, and some of them are... But this is one of those shows, I think, Greg, where I think it's up to everyone's tastes. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, we are. Super Brawl 2, live from... Not the Mecca. This is definitely not the Mecca. I don't think it's the Mecca. It's the Mecca. It is the Mecca. It doesn't look like it is the Mecca in Milwaukee. I guess from the angle, Steve Willie's going to kill me because I should know that it's the Mecca. Um... I don't know. It just doesn't look like maybe it's because of the wrestling part of it. it. It looks smaller than an NBA arena. We'll talk about the team that plays in the Mecca a little bit later on. Uh, so, again, this took place on leap year day, February 29th, 1992. Um, I am going to go while we're chatting uh, tonight, Greg. I'm going to go to Wikipedia because I I'm pretty sure once again, probably wrong. I'm going to look and see if there were any other pay-per-views that happened on Leap Year Day. I don't think there were. No, I don't think so either. Well, Tony and uh, Eric are running over the matches right now. Mm-hmm. And I, Eric has been with the company since what? Great American Bash 91? Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was there. He pretty much debuted right as uh, AWA hit the toilet. I bet you Stanley Blackburn fired him, you know, because he's a fucking jerk. So, he's well, a one, jerk all the time. One thing you can always count on wrestle tracks: we're always gonna bash Stanley Blackburn. Yeah, he's a piece of garbage. So, uh, well, WWE did not have a pay per view on Leap Year Day. Of course, the only one in W, in, the only one in uh, uh, in WCW is the show you're watching right now. Um. Yeah, I doubt it. This is pretty much the only show that's ever been on Leap Year Day. Um, February 29th, 1992. Um, We're nestled in between uh, the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania 8. WCW trying to get themselves on track, watching their guy, Ric Flair, win the Royal Rumble and the, the WWF title in albany new york missy hyatt my girl missy you're looking quite uh swole this evening um oh missy's gonna be backstage getting all the interviews she's gonna get an interview with lex luger Ooh. uh sadly this is not the one where she walks into the uh, at least as far as i know this is not the one where she walks into the locker room with stan hansen and his tidy whiteies that's that's the best uh backstage missy hyatt moment of all time uh, was that is that Halloween Havoc ninety? I think. Yeah, so yeah, I believe it's ninety. Yeah, it was when it was when Hanson upset Luger to win the U.S. title, and then Luger won it back. But it's pretty funny. Uh, Tony and uh, Eric have similar hair tonight. Of course, Eric's dyes his, so his is darker. Um, but Eric has some great hair at this time. Yeah, he does. Oh, his, his hair is killer. His hair is killer. Uh, John Davidson would kill for that hair. Oh, totally. That's incredible. Hey, JR. Good old Jim Ross. Um, JR would last throughout. I'm trying to think when he would. He, he doesn't keep. Uh, he 93. Well, early 93 is done. 
Yeah, does he? De- he doesn't debut. Does he debut at nine? He debuts at nine. Yeah, nine is his first show. That's right. Okay. And here's Jesse making his official WCW pay per view debut. He is coming out with the uh, motorcycle and the awesome WCW hat, which I think you can get on shop.com right now. I think it's purple, though. I don't think it's black, but which I think is better anyway. Um, while this is, why don't we hop in now, Greg, while they're going through this hoi folloi, uh, why don't we hop into, speaking of the Mecca, why don't we talk a little about what was going on in the NBA on this evening, leap year day, 1992, um, we, of course, were in the midst of the beginning of the Chicago Bulls dynasty. They're the defending world champions. Um, oh, hold on so. a second. I think uh, Jesse's going to say something about Jim right here and, uh, that I want to point out. Okay, sure. I'm going to turn up a little bit so I can hear. Yeah, it's his, this is his first show back after leaving WWF. Yep, he had to sit through almost two, I guess it was a year and a half of uh, no compete because Jesse left WWF sometime in July of 1990. And it was over royalties because he was going to have a Sega Genesis game. Yes. Oh, that's right, because Lex hasn't made any title defenses, and I'm sure that has nothing to do with the fact he's leaving the company soon. Oh, of course not. Of course not. Oh, wait, hold on. If you had a cowboy hat, you would look just like J.R. Ewing. Mm. Ah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, now let's get into the NBA. So... Our first game tonight, we're at the Shark Coliseum. Pacers at Hornets. The Hornets, 122-119 winners over Indiana. Top scorers for Indiana, Chuck Pearson with 34 points. Reggie Miller with 21 points. Barry Johnson for the Hornets, 27 points. Kendall Gill, a double-double, 23 points and 12 rebounds. And then we go to the Palace. Nets at Detroit. Nets, 99-90 winners. Top scorers for the Nets, Terry Mills with 25 points. The late great Drazen Petrovic, 24 points for New Jersey. And for the Pistons, Orlando Woolwich has 30 points. Isaiah had 18 points. And then we go to the uh, Oakland Coliseum Arena, of course, future known as Oracle Arena. Heat at the Warriors. Warriors, 136-110 winners over... The Miami Heat. Top scorers, Willie Burton for Miami off the bench with 25 points. Brian Shaw with 16 points off the bench. Quinn Rice with 13 points. For Golden State, Billy Owens, 23 points. Chris Mellon and Tim Hardaway, 21 points. Hardaway had a double-double, 21 points at 11 assists. And now, see Jushin Liger coming into the ring. Yes, uh, we have our opening match. Uh, we go out of the gate with a with a hot one here. We have the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship on the line. Jushin Riger, 
as uh, oh. as uh, as uh, Herb Coons used to used to type, and of course we always mocked it on the Please Be Podcast. Uh, Hold Jushin on, Riger. Hold on, Scott. Was the CNWA in action this night? That's right. Do we have any CNWA action? And was uh, was was Herb writing his uh, thesis in the crowd on a sten- on a stenographer's pad? Um, but Liger, of course, defending the title against Flying Flying Brian, and uh, of course, this is uh, one of the highlight matches in the history of not only the show but in WCW. So anyway, we continue on with our uh, with our hardwood memories. Okay, we go to Gordon. The Knicks against the Timberwolves. Knicks, 103-87 winners. Minnesota's top scorers, Tony Campbell, 20 points off the bench. Doug West, 14 points. Patrick Ewing had 19 points at 11 rebounds. Kiki Vandeweghe, 18 points off the bench. And I believe this would be uh, Kiki Vandeweghe's last season with the Knicks. Probably. Going to yeah. Orca Arena, the Kings and the Supersonics. Kings 115-110 winners over Seattle. Seattle's top scorers, Eddie Johnson, 19 point I'm uh, sorry, Eddie Johnson, 21 points off the bench. Dana Barrios, 19 points off the bench. Sean Kemp, 14 points off the bench. So they got a lot of production on the bench this night for Seattle. For Sacramento, Lionel Simmons, 27 points. Mitch Richmond, 26 points. And Spud Webb with 24 points. And the uh, Nuggets took on the Spurs in San Antonio. The Spurs were 115-112 winners. Denver's top scorers, Greg Anderson, 22 points and 18 rebounds with a double-double. Muhammad Abdul-Raif, 17 points off the bench. For San Antonio, David Robinson, 34 points. Sean Elliott, 27 points. Mm. Oh, Jushin Liger reminds Jesse of the Predator. Really? Yeah, well, Jesse would know. Yes, he would. I don't know why he would say that. Oh, maybe the mask, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, I'm guessing the mask. I guess so, yeah. Although the uh, Predator was much taller than Jushin. Yes, and uh, Jushin does not have dreads. Or, you know, kill you. Um, (laughs) Try to think who this referee is. Yeah, you got me. I don't know who this ref is. I'm not sure either. Uh, Anyway, Kiki... Um, Kiki, uh, played for the Knicks for three years. Uh, he had, he was traded, um, in the 88, 89 season to the Knicks where his father played. Um, he played, he played and then a half a season with the Clippers and then retired after the 92, 93 season. Okay. So there you go. So he played for, he played, uh, he played three years. His niece, Coco, is a former professional tennis player. Interesting. Nice. So, yeah, four years in Denver, five years in Portland, uh, three and a half years with the Knicks, and one year with, uh, with the Clippers. And, of course, he went to the Final Four in 1980 with the UCLA Bruins, coached by Larry Brown. Yeah. Of course, that year... The uh, Louisville would win the tournament, Dr. Duncan Stein. But anyway, I go off the tracks. So there you go. There's a little too much kiki for you in one night, but the Knicks uh, end up getting the win. (laughs) So we got one more game at the Capitol Center. Sixers against the Bullets. Sixers, 101-92 winners. Chuck had 34 points for the Sixers, 11 rebounds. Hershey Hawkins, 16 points. And hey, we were just talking about the Louisville Cardinals. 
the Bullets' top scorer, Purvis Ellison, with 30 points and 12 rebounds. Mm, there you go. Never nervous Purvis. He won it in 86. Yep. And your division leaders right now in the Atlantic. The Knicks are at 35 and 22. The Bulls are 47 and 11 in the Central. The Jazz are 38 and 20 in the Midwest. Blazers are 39 and 17 in the Pacific, but the Warriors are right behind them at 38 and 17. Bulls defending champions and hot out of the gate. Mm. I love this Nike tank top. This one fan is wearing the blue tank top. Uh, yes. Yep. Of course, you know, we always like to look at depending what we're, what we're watching. Look at that guy in the front row that looks like Dennis Franz. Oh, God. Wow. I hope we don't see his ass at some hey, Yeah, we really don't want to say I knew you were going to say that, too. I had a feeling you were going to say that. I don't want to see his ass either. Um, speaking of the Hornets, this is big Hornets time. I do see a lot of teal in the audience. Of course, nobody's wearing actual Hornets stuff because we are in Bucks country. Um, speaking of the Bucks, I prefer not to speak of the Bucks, but uh, not much to not much to think about when it comes no. to the Bucks. Uh, uh, Greg, not a not a wonderful season for them. Oh no, thirty-one and fifty-one. Dell Harris resigned after an eight and nine start. Frank Hamblin took over as interim coach for the rest of the season. And the only notable things I can say is they had Moses Malone, Danny Shazen, Dale Ellis, and that was it. Yep. And I thought that was uh, his last season, but he actually played two years with the Bucks. Oh, Moses. Um, he missed. Uh, yeah, Moses. Moses, two years with the Bucks. Uh, he missed most of the 92-93 season with uh, with a herniated disc. But then he went back to Philly in 93 to serve as a mentor to rookie Sean Bradley. Oh. Then he signed a one-year deal with San Antonio in 1994, where he was used as a backup to David Robinson. That was his last year in the NBA, and he was the only remaining active former ABA player. And I had no idea or had totally forgotten that he had died in 2015. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was, I honestly thought he was still alive. He died in his sleep from heart disease. Oh, that's a shame. On, se- on September 13th, 2015. I did not uh, remember that. By I the way, should, by the way, I should point out, Jesse gave a shout out to the George Michael sports machine. Yes. We always mention them here on wrestle tracks. We always mention George Michael and his amazing sports machine. For those that don't know, that's a northeast, total northeast thing. One thing about uh, we'll do our best here in Wrestle Tracks. We try, since Greg and I both grew up in you know in the Northeast, we do a, we, we do have a lot of uh, Northeast things, television shows that elsewhere in the country probably wouldn't know. Um, one thing I've noticed about this match so far, I, I don't remember being this much ground and pound. Uh, Liger working over uh, Pillman's left uh, leg. Yeah. Um, I remember I didn't remember this much grinding in this match, which is probably a good thing. It's probably keeping them fresh. Yeah. Um, a lot of ground and pound. I know Rex Ryan would be a big fan of this match. <laughs> um, George Michael's sports machine, incidentally, uh, he died in 2009, George Michael. But 
The sports machine ran at the it was made at the WRC studios in Washington, D.C. It ran from September 2nd, 1984, all the way. And I didn't realize it ran this long, Greg, all the way to March 25th, 2007. Yeah. 33 years. And I'm like, or I'm sorry, 23 years. I'm like, really? I thought the show ended in like 1990. <laughs> I, I actually I actually recorded the last staring. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. Uh, well, it says influence and criticism. I wonder what the criticism is. Um, oh, okay. Uh, by the later years of Sports Machine, however, the rise of numerous specialty cable sports channels, notably ESPN News, and the expansion of Sunday evening local newscasts to either air an extended sportscast or a separate program to recap Sunday football caused many stations to either drop the program or air it later in the night. Issues were made even worse in 2006 when NBC acquired the rights to Sunday Night Football, which in turn pushed late local news on most of the Sports Machine's affiliates even later. Oh, okay. Hmm. Which is kind of funny since now, when's the last time they actually had news on ESPN News? That's true. I didn't even know ESPN News was still a thing. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, the last thing he said on that episode was, last one out, turn out the lights. That's the last thing he said. So that's George Michael's Sports Machine. It was a week, It was a Sunday night highlight show. It was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. And he was a big wrestling fan, George Michael. Was he really? I didn't yeah. know that. He'd, had, uh, he'd, had, he'd have uh, wrestling highlights on his shows all the time. Huh. Um, uh, I remember him even before... The sports machine. He was uh, he was a jock on seventy seven WABC that, in New York City. That's right, he was. So uh, so I remember him on I remember him on the radio when I was a kid, listening to uh, uh, to ABC. Even down here in Connecticut, I could hear it. I'm sure you obviously were you you heard it quite easily. Um, but I liked uh, I'm glad Jesse made that. Jesse's so uh, old school about that kind of stuff. I dig yeah. that. Um, All right, so uh, Liger working the knee right here. Still grinding. Oh, oh, oh. There we go. Oh. We have finally figured out. Well, I don't know about now, but at the end of his career, we knew we've. Well, I guess it's pretty obvious that that's a wig. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice move. Oh. Great move. This is obviously they every- call this. This is what you call, Greg. A lot of people call this a sandwich show. Great first match. Great last match and kind of mustard and goop in the middle <laughs> we'll see if that's the case though something tells me we're going to be sneakily surprised uh at some of the matches on this show that that maybe don't get the the pub they deserve but um and liger's winning everybody over here oh yeah totally yeah i agree totally winning people over and jesse's like i he's one jesse's like he's won me over too so One thing I always love about Brian is those Cincinnati Uh Bengals trunks. Yeah, you know, you just took that right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say. I don't know who the quarterback was in 92. Uh, I think think Boomer, because it's the last year. Because then he would have gone to the Jets in 93. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, th- I feel like you went to the Jets earlier than that, but you're probably right. Well, the 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 '92 draft, which would be probably a couple of months after this, the the Bengals had the number one pick, or they had the sixth pick in the first round, and they did take David Klingler. We all know uh, what happened to him. Um, also in this draft was Carl Pickens and uh, Daryl Williams, so they got a, they had a couple of decent picks out of this. Um, Boomer is the quarterback in '92. They would go five and eleven. Um, and that would be it for Sam Weish, I think, right? No, Dave Shula was already in. Oh, Dave Shula was already there. Dave Dave Shula was okay. already there. Yeah. So Sam would have already gone to Tampa Bay at this point. Yes. Uh, Sam Weish was. Mm, yeah, Sam was head coach in '91. The Bengals went three and thirteen, and he was fired and replaced by Dave Shula. So, he was the youngest head coach ever at the age of thirty-two. And I don't want to hear that Sam Weish died. That would make me sad. He did. He died in 2020. Yeah, Damn it. Oh, these things make me sad. Um, he had one of the he had one of the great promos ever when I think someone was throwing snowballs in Cincinnati and he took to the PA and said, "If somebody has knows the guy, please point him out because you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati." Oh, I love that. December 10th, 1989. He ran. He used to run up the score on the on the Oilers because he hated Sam Weish too. I mean, he hated uh, Jerry Glanville too. Oh, G- oh anyway, yeah. G- Jerry Glanville and uh, Sam Weish, one of the great feuds of all time. Oh, it's tremendous. Um, yeah, I guarantee, it's oh, I guarantee you this: Sam Weish never left any tickets for Elvis. Uh, no. Uh, following the '92 season, the Bengals uh, went in a new direction. Anthony Munoz retired, and then they traded Boomer to. Uh, to the Jets. So David Klingler went into being the starter and we all know what happened after that. I he guarantee played. I guarantee so. you this when Boomer went to the Jets, he didn't uh he didn't get an injury four plays into his first game. Oh uh, no, no he did not. Uh Klingler would play 3 years with the Bengals, two with the Raiders and then he was on the Packers practice team in 98. Oh, God. Yeah, he was not good. No. He did get his number retired by uh, Houston. Okay. <laughs> by the Houston Cougars. So. Yeah, well, so what? Andre Ware has his number retired, too. Yeah, he does. A lot of guys have their number retired by Houston. Houston uh, football team. Oh. Let's see. Oh, 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 oh. We were, thought we were going to oh. get a super flex. But uh, Pillman threw Riger to the ground. He's on the top rope. He goes for a high cross body. One, two, and kick out. Oh, crowd is this is a great choice. Look at that dude with that awesome Budweiser ja- uh, oh. shirt on. That's jaw jacking. Oh, that man. guy's got that guy's got NASCAR fan written all over him. Who would have been driving the Budweiser car in 92? Um, 1992. Well, let's see. 1992 Winston Cup. Oh, that's 1999. I don't want 1992. I don't want 1992 NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Because usually it says who's on them. Uh, let's see. Um, Actually, I could look up who won the Daytona 500 since this is February. So Yeah, it was probably a couple of weeks before that. Yeah, that makes sense. That took place on, let's see, February 16th. Ernie Irvin driving the Kodak car 
won the Daytona 500. Good driver. Uh, a... I'm trying to see who won 1992. Winston Asking. Cup? Cup Series. Here we go. Alan Kulwicki won the Winston Cup Championship, and then, of course, he passed away in a terrible crash. Oh. Um... Hmm. I'm trying to see who won the who drove the Bud car. Hmm. Um. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Sterling Marlin. Sterling Mar. Wait a minute. Did you say the 1992 yeah. Daytona 500? Yeah. 1992 uh, Daytona 500. Yeah. I got Davey. Al- Did you say Davey Allison? Uh no. I said Davey Irvin. I think won the uh. Well, Daytona. Ernie Irvin. Ur- Ernie Irvin. Oh, oh, Ernie Irvin. Okay. Uh, no, this says uh, this says Davy Allison won Daytona. Well, let me just double check. Let me just re- double check again. Okay. Oh, superplex. There you go. Liger going for the pin and kicks out again. Day oh, 19- okay. I'm looking at the program. I'm sorry. Yeah, Davy Allison won the uh, Daytona. Okay. Podcast. Oh, yeah. He's on the cover. Yeah, Ernie, I think, won it the previous year. That's probably why. Uh, Yeah, he probably did. What was what car was Davey driving? Oh, we got a new champion. There's the pinfall, and the new crowd stands up. We have a new WCW light heavyweight champion. It is Brian Pillman. Oh. Drove the... Oh, yeah, because I remember TV Allison's death. Yeah, I remember when that happened. Uh, let's see. Throughout its history of NASCAR, the iconic Budweiser car has been driven by Terry Labonte, Darrell Waltrip, Bill Elliott, Ken Schrader, Ricky Craven, Wally Dallenbach, Dale, Dale Jr. Oh, yeah, well, Dale Jr. drove the Bud car. Oh, of course. For During this era, the 2000s. In the 90s, um. Hmm. Here we go. Uh, Jeff Bodine drove the number eleven Bud car in 1992. Okay. So Jeff Bodine did drove the Bud car. Remember the days? I was, I was I was goof with my brother. Um, uh, my brother's a big NASCAR guy, so I was goof with him because it's like uh, I always say to him, um, you know, because now of course. Uh, NASCARs, you know, they're trying to be clean with their image, so not like a lot of liquor and that kind of stuff, and everything's named after cell phones and stuff. And I said to my brother, I said, what happened to the days when everything was beer, was booze, smokes, and he- goodies headache powder? That's what used to be NASCAR races. Yeah. Days you know, of Thunder. Needed... That, that's the NASCAR I remember. Yeah. Things named after booze, beer, you know, the boar's nest. <laughs> Uh, you know, Winston, uh, Marlboro, Cools. <laughs> That's what we need. That's what I yeah. said. We need more vices in NASCAR again. <laughs> oh, no. Missy Hyatt was the tailor-made man. The tailor-made <laughs> man. Terrence Taylor. His version. WCW finally trying to make Terry Taylor Mr. Perfect. And this is what we get. We get a cheap-looking... <laughs> Uh, Ted DiBiase suit. This is like the Ted DiBiase million dollar man outfit if you ordered it on Wish. (laughs) 
Oh, boy. She had beautiful eyes, Missy Hyatt. So there was our oh, first. Oh, yeah. Um, so Brian Pillman is your new WCW light heavyweight champion. Uh, oh, we got the winner of the Super Bowl two ring announcer contest from Syracuse University. Who is Gary this? Gary Abrams. <laughs> Look at this dork. Look at this loser. Your name should be Stan Abrams. <laughs> Not Stan. Whatever his guy's name is. Yeah, Stan. No. The guy who ran. Uh, uh, is he wearing basketball shorts? <laughs> basketball shorts and a tux jacket. Marcus Alexander Bagwell. What the hell is that dude wearing? Uh, you got me. He's literally wearing basketball shorts. Syracuse orange Syracuse. Wow. I didn't realize. Uh, I didn't realize Marcus Bagwell's pompadour was that pompadourish. Why is he wearing? Maybe he didn't realize he was winning and they had to throw the jacket on him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Gimmick. That is the worst. That is the ugliest fucking cheap boy DiBiase suit. I have literally ever seen. Terrence. Obviously, after the implosion of the York Foundation. Uh, we have. Nah, I might as well crap. keep the suit and give him a gimmick. <laughs> well, remember, Scott, he is the computerized man of the 1990s. That is true. Oh, Terrence Taylor tries to make Marcus Alexander Bagwell his protege. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. Um, Dale Jr. started wearing, uh, started putting Bud on his car in 2003. Three. Driving the number eight car. That's right. Then he went from Bud to something else. I was a big uh, Dale Jr. guy. I liked what when he went uh, to his new car. Like he went from eight to eighty-eight because obviously yes. because it was because uh, his stepmom like. Didn't he uh, yeah, have some dispute with his stepmom over? Uh, oh, yeah, there was always stepmom. issues. There was issues when 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 Dale Sr. was alive, the issues with Dale Jr. and his stepmom. So. You know what I love, Scott, when we did the GWWE bout in 2017? Yeah, the whole the whole thing was. You had to like second or th and third a guy to get him past the nomination process, and I remember for the Red Rooster, like he was stuck on second. Oh, I know, right? No one wanted to put him in the process for nomination. It was almost on purpose. <laughs> I think I don't know what's funny. 
don't know what's funny, that or Glenn Butler ranking Uncle Elmer as number 100 is GWWE. <laughs> uh, my little Glenny bun. So great. The official crowd for this uh, show was 5,000. That's why I was thrown off that this was the Mecca. I'm like, 5,000. Like, this crowd looks, like, bigger, but I can see, like, they they uh, dark in some areas, so. They did a good job making you think, like, this was a big crowd. Um, I feel like this is not the Mecca. I think they're lying. I think this is the, this says it's the Milwaukee Auditorium. I don't know why they put the Mecca. That's. That's very strange. Well, remember, the Bucks are in the Bradley Center at this time. Oh, had they moved already? Really? Yeah, they moved because, remember, if we did the main event, that was at Bradley Center. So Now it's uh, the the Mecca's still open, but now the uh, UW-Milwaukee Panthers play there. It's called That's what it's called now, the, the uh, UW. I'm going to go for, uh, oh, it says WCW Super Brawl. Okay then Wiki needs to fix this because according to them, uh, this show was at the Milwaukee Auditorium, oh. which is a completely different venue. That is now called the Miller High Life Theater, which is pretty great. They should call well, it the Champagne of Theaters. Well, that's why on it was a thing on TV. Whenever we talk about Wikipedia, when we're looking for info, we always call it Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, just to put it as an asterisk. <laughs> Uh, that is true. I love, um, hat. I love the hat Dennis Franz guy hats on there. I know, right? I'm so glad Dennis Franz is in the front row of, uh, of Super Brawl 2. Well, it's a year before he hits it big with NYPD Blue. Him and David Caruso need to, uh, stall for time until then. That's right. Um, so this building, oh, this is the Milwaukee Auditorium. It opened, all right, so let me get out of here then, because this isn't the right notable events. I want to make sure that this isn't double dipped. Okay, it's not. So we'll do the mecca. Okay. For anybody who wants a little uh, background on the uh, mecca, trying to see how long. uh... So the mecca opened on November third. It broke ground on November third, nineteen forty-eight. It opened on April ninth, nineteen fifty. It was renovated twice in 1998 and again in 2016 um, as, uh, oh, actually the Bucks, the Bucks left in 88. So the Bradley Center actually opened a lot earlier than I thought it did. I feel like it opened in the 90s, but it didn't. Um, they obviously didn't fit anybody, a lot of people in here because during this time uh, it could see 11,052. Uh Obviously, not just WCW, WWF was here as well. Uh, this show was here. Clash of the Champions 34 was here from 1997. And Mayhem 2000 was in this building, Greg. Oh. And then, of course, the WWF would have King of the Ring 1996 and Over the Edge 1998. And, of course, it was in this building six years later. Or six years later, four years later, my bad. Four years later, that Steve Austin would utter his famous Austin 316 line. 
Um, I am curious. Well, obviously, um, we will let you know as the show progresses if Steve Austin is in the building or not. Oh, maybe he is, and uh, maybe he isn't. Mm. Well, we just well, saw you know his, the show you. Well, we just saw his future tag partner win the uh, light heavyweight title. That is very true. That I should note. True. I should note. Uh, Brian Pillman, the only two-time winner of the light heavyweight title. Because this was his second reign. He was the inaugural champion. Yes. Actually, Brian would hold that light heavyweight title until Beach Blast, where he lost it to Scotty Flamingo. Future Raven. Future Raven. And then the last champion was Brad Armstrong, who won it at a house show on July 5th. And then the title was deactivated when Armstrong was injured at Clash of the Champions 20. Hmm. Hmm. And then, of course, eventually they would have a cruiserweight title, but we're, yeah. we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So, uh, not, a, not a terrible match. No. Not the, not the greatest match, but the, the, I would say a terrible is, match. This is surprising. I've, I thought this was going to be god-awful, so... Now, according to this, says the referees are Randy Anderson, uh, you know, Pee Wee, who and Nick Patrick. Nick, of course, is in the ring now. But that guy that did that first, the guy who inter, who uh, ref the uh, Luger, Luger, listen to me, Liger and uh, Pillman match was not either of those guys. I don't know who that. Oh, God, that was terrible. Whatever that blown move Ooh. was. Oh, that was ugly. Wait, you won? Oh, I, huh? Wait, huh? They didn't even know the match ended. What? Oh, God. Stupid. Wait, the or, match. Are they? What is... the fuck is happening here? I have no idea what's going on. I think I think the match, it was a three count. But Bagwell, I don't even think, realized it was a three count. And he kept wrestling. What a meathead. Hmm. Not the last time Nick Patrick would F up a match. That is true. Ooh, who's Missy going to talk to? He's the winner. Ooh. Ooh. Lex Luger and that really high, high end, high quality, not a print shop uh, sign. I love you. I love you, Harley Race. Harley Race should tell her, now hit the bricks, you old bag. Harley was very well utilized in the late 80s or in the, I should say, the early mid 90s in WCW. Of course, he managed Lex Luger and he would eventually manage uh, the man they call Sting. Ah, yes. Vader. I mean, Vader, you mean? I mean, Vader. Oh, Cactus. Oh, Cactus. Oh. I meant Vader. Who did I say? 
You said Sting at first. Oh, that would be great if Harley was managing Sting. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm Ed Vader. Um, from True for Consequences, New Mexico. Yes, I love Cactus Jack. He to this day will always be my favorite Mick Foley alliteration or iteration, I should say. Reference from Jesse. <laughs> well, he was running against uh, George, uh, still President Bush in the primary. I just watched. Uh, I just watched the '90s uh, CNN uh, uh, documentary series from way back about uh, that, that episode. Was about that. Ron Simmons uh, proudly wearing his Seminole colors. Gotta love that sexy sex. Music for Ron. Yes. I love that fucking horn music. And then Doom, I think I think it came from Doom. Yeah. Oh, so great. So we got Ron Simmons and Cactus Jack here. Cactus. Cactus would have some good matches in this early stretch, but he really wouldn't come into his own until uh, until 1993. Yeah, but he Vader, was a good worker. Yeah, the Vader feud would uh, elevate Cactus. Correct. And 92 would be a great year for Ron. Oh, hangman! Oh, the guillotine! Ugh. Yep, the hangman guillotine. Of course, Ron would, uh, in five months, win the WCW championship from he Vader. Would yes, he would. Of course, uh, Harley Race would transfer his managing duties to Vader from Luger, because of course Luger would end up would uh, eventually leave. In fact, uh, right after this, we'll yeah. talk more about Luger. Uh, we'll talk more about Luger when uh, when we get to the main event. But yeah. I liked when uh, Ron Simmons wore his uh, Seminole his uh, Seminole colors. Definitely. Speaking of, why don't we look back real quick? Because you know we always have to transition into. Something. Uh, that previous season, the 1991 Florida State Seminoles had their usual very good season. They went 11 and 2. Uh, they were ranked number one, but they lost to Miami after wide right one. Casey Weldon was runner up for the Heisman. 1991, of course, that year it was won by Desmond Howard. Uh, Florida State was an independent at the time. They wouldn't join the uh, ACC for a couple of years. Uh, they would lose back-to-back games at the end of the year. They were undefeated. Uh, but then on November 16th, they lost to Miami. Wide right one. Oh, and then, ooh, JYD. JYD in a white tuxedo. He can afford the white tuxedo, but he can't afford a seat ringside. He's got to sit up with the uh, with the cheapos. Uh, well, obviously, if you put him at ringside, it kind of ruins things. Um, 
Then the following week, they lost at the Swamp 14-9 to uh, Florida to end the year. And then on New Year's Day, uh, they – what a weird game. They beat Texas A&M in the Cotton Bowl by the score of 10-2. to What? 10-2 to they beat Texas A&M. So the 91 Seminoles, and we're only mentioning that because Ron Simmons is wrestling, went uh, 11-2 and the previous season. Probably were national championship favorites and then lost uh, wide right one to the Canes. Of course, who won the night? Who won it in 91? Washington. That was a sport national championship, I think. Right. Washington Washington and uh, Miami. Because this is this is the year uh, Rock won it. Yes, that's right. Washington was the better team, in my opinion. But anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um. Two straight years of split national champions because the year before it was Virginia and Georgia Tech um, did the split, if I remember correctly. No, am I thinking of Colorado? Maybe that's 89. Now I'm confused. I just confused myself. Who won it in 90? Hmm. Anything um, pre-BCS, it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's all goulash. It's because it was run by everybody else. Um, Thank Cactus God we have doing- Sorry? Yeah, c- cactus. Cactus working them over. What were you saying? Thank God we what? Thank God we don't have to worry about the uh, everything with the playoff now in college football. Well, instead of one lost team's bitching, now we're going to have four lost teams bitching because some eight and four team thinks they should be number 13. No one's ever going to be happy. But at least that far down, it's like, all right, you're eight and four. Just shut up. <laughs> you know? Enough. Though, let's put it this way: There's enough spots for the undefeateds and the one-loss teams, uh, and even maybe the two-loss teams, to to get to the tournament. But that's a different uh, podcast for another day. Yeah. Uh, Cactus, I think, just ripped off Ron Simmons' headband. Yeah, that's on the uh, mat there, and uh, yep. Pee Wee just picked just it up. His pocket. Yep. Smart. Ron, Ron rocking his awesome uh, Jerry curl, looking really good. I don't know. What do you think, there, uh, Franz? the hell is he wearing? He looks like Otto Vons is what he looks like. Looks like he's got some uh, fucking European cardigan sweater on or something. What if he's with the Nike tank top guy? Man, there are some ugly Milwaukeeans in this audience. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Speaking of cities, again, I'll mention our the three uh, choices for next month's ballot in a minute, but uh, to give you a hint, two of the three are not in the United States. Oh. That may mildly give it away, but in any event, we'll talk more about it at the end of the show. Hey. Oh! Spinebuster on the ramp! Woof! I know Jesse liked uh, Ron Simmons. He, he liked those straight-up, like, athlete guys. And obviously, JR loved Ron. Yeah, because a college guy. Well, obviously, Jr. he wanted to be a college football announcer, so. Correct. Cactus doing his best, putting his guy over. I almost feel like this match probably wasn't even really, uh, like, pay-per-view quality. <laughs> probably could have put this on TV or something. You could put this on Saturday night or main event. Right. Oh! Oh! Power slam off the top rope and a win 
for Ron Simmons. Very nice. So Ron Simmons continues his main event build. Cactus Jack not happy with the loss. And here comes Abdullah. Oh. Abby, baby. Let's get some hepatitis. (laughs) JYD, run. Cactus and Abby Dula. Here he comes. Oh. No, JYD, don't run in there. You might get hepatitis from Abdullah. Yeah. And you don't want to drop the pork rinds in your jacket or the cocaine. <coughs> Is he wearing jeans? I oh, think no, he... okay. Just... Oh, <laughs> oh. <coughs> oh that's... Yeah. Yeah, oh, yes, dog. I-, I love dog. Fuck off, Dillinger. I mean, obviously, Dog was, you know, well past his prime. Oh, let's not take the shirt off. We don't want to see the, oh, boy. Well, he actually actually doesn't look that bad. He could look worse. When he wrestled Flair in 90, he looked awful. Oh, yeah. Oh, Actually, he looked awful in 88. WWF is what he looked awful. Hashtag junk food dog. Junk food dog. Well, if you watch his... uh, if you watch his uh, Dark Side of the Ring, it's sad. Yeah. Then again, most of those are all sad. I don't think they're meant to be happy. <laughs> no. I just get upset because a lot of those Dark Side of the Rings, I mean, this is a, obviously a taste thing. I've had discussions with a lot of people about this. Uh, I, I always feel like if it's somebody who I don't want to know about their past, I don't want to know. And like Junkyard Dog was one of those. I didn't want to know all the things about JYD that we all ended up knowing. I will say I am looking forward to the Earthquake episode uh, for the season premiere. Yeah, I am too, actually. All right, I'm sorry. But where did Bischoff and Shivani get these fucking cheap-ass conference room swivel chairs for their... Uh, I think my dad had those in his conference office. <laughs> those are like the ugliest things I've ever seen. I don't know why I'm being particular about swivel chairs, but... All right, so while... um. Tony and Eric are talking. How about we go over the NHL for tonight? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So the Capitals and the Bruins at the Boston Garden. Yes. 5-5 tie. Bruins scored three goals in the third period. Down 5-2 from Lyndon Byers, Brent Ashton, and Bobby Carpenter. Ray Bork had a goal and two assists. In a preview. He was was a thug. Yeah. He was a thug. He didn't score a lot of goals, Lyndon Byers. By the way. Just before we continue. Yeah. Oh, Vinny Vegas, baby. Vinny Vegas and Richard Morton. Richard Morton and Vinny fucking Vegas. We love Vinny Vegas. Anyway, continue. Uh, oh, by the way, talking about Ricky Morton, uh, by his side, the major wrestling figure podcast was having a Super Bowl sale on the major bendy figures. I got like a random grab bag and my random figure of a major bendy was Ricky Morton. Ah! This week. Yeah. That is tremendous. Good for you. Uh, so, 
Okay, in a preview of the Stanley Cup Finals in 93 at the Forum, we had the Canadians and the Kings. The Kings 5-3 winners over Montreal. Wayne had the empty netter to clinch it, along with three assists. Luke River tied two goals. Kelly Rudy for the Kings, 41 saves. Patrick Waugh, 20 saves for Montreal. Of course, Patrick Waugh now the head coach of the New York Islanders as we're recording this. Yes, and uh, Kelly Rudy was a former New York New York uh, New Haven Nighthawk. Look at this mishmash team: Tom Zenk and Van Hammer, baby, the Z Man and the V Man. Are we sure this isn't a battle ball match? <laughs> this is ludicrous. <laughs> what an odd choice of tag teams right here. Seriously. But happy again, Valentine's Day. Van Hammer. That two was weeks like, late. <laughs> two weeks late, Van Hammer. Uh, so our match is Vinny Vegas and Richard Morton against Van Hammer and the Z-Man. Z-Man was all about making money. Oh, he yeah. walked out on the WWF in 87 because he thought he wasn't getting paid enough. He was going to end up getting paid a little bit because he would have been tag team champions. But nope, he had to walk out, and Tito took over, and we got Strike Force. It's an improvement, to be honest. It's a, it's a big improvement. It went from Martell and Zank to Martell and Tito, and we ended up getting a great tag team and then a great feud uh, out of that as well. So, All right. So continue. Okay, so we go to the Met Center in Minneapolis. Whalers against the North Stars. The Whalers, 5-4 winners in OT over Minnesota. Adam Burt had the winner for the Whalers in overtime. Mike Madano had a goal for Minnesota. We go to the Nassau Coliseum. Devils against the Islanders. The Devils were 3-1 winners. The Devils led 2-0. David Volick scored for the Islanders with 51 seconds left to cut it 2-1. But Doug Brown scored an empty netter with 17 seconds left to crunch it for the Devils. Chris Terreri, 28 saves for New Jersey. And then we go to the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, the defending Stanley Cup champion Penguins, hosting the Buffalo Sabres. Penguins, 5-2 winners. Mario Lemieux, two goals. And Yaramir Yager, who recently just had his number retired by the Penguins, a goal and an assist. And I would be remiss to not mention the sweet, sweet mullet of Yaramir Yager. Almost looks like Van Hammers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, incidentally, uh, me being the jersey and uniform uh, junkie that I am, uh, could you have not asked, you couldn't have asked for a sweeter road jersey versus home jersey game than the Hartford Whalers and the Minnesota North Stars. Oh, yeah. Because they both kicked ass and took names. Bring the whale back. Brass Bonanza all day long, baby. Build an arena up near Cabela's, over near Wrenchler, where the shitty UConn football team plays. Um, We won't have to worry about Minnesota. They, of course, would get the wild. But Vinny Vegas, no selling the... Is he going to do the thing with his uh, eyebrows? Oh. Look at the sweet eyebrow lick. They are pretty awesome. Yeah. Kevin Nash, the coolest man in the room always. It is true. He is. That's why I love Kevin Nash. Yeah. How many diesel figures do you have? 
Um, I had his Bendem back in the day. Uh-huh. I really... Actually, you know what? I should try to get his WCW Toy Biz figure with the wolf pack. Really want to get that. I, sir, uh, I got one of uh, Don West's brown bag specials back in the day. Yeah. The $20, and my figure was Kevin Nash. Oh. The t-shirt was one of the ugliest Jeff Hardy t-shirts I ever saw in my life, but the figure was Kevin Nash. Was it uh, when Marvel Toys had the license? I think so. It was like 2008, probably. Okay. Two, oh, yeah, God, so that was, was awful. Ooh. Yeah, 2008, 2009, something like that. Yeah. Dennis Franz is not impressed. No, he's not looking at him. He's miserable. Next to Nike. There's a guy in between him and the Nike. Is that the Nike guy you're talking about? The guy two the seats blue, down? The blue, yeah, two seats down. The blue tank yeah. top. Yeah, who that loser is in the middle that did not dress for this occasion, may no. I say. Oh, that weird. I think is that Pee Wee or is that the weird guy refing? I think that's Pee Wee. No, it's, it's the weird guy. Weird guy. There's that third ref again that we don't know who it is. It's not Pee Wee. It's not uh, Nick Patrick. I have no idea who that referee is. He's a discount store uh, Pee Wee, I guess. I guess. Um, all right. By, by, the, by the way, you. By the way, you were talking about the uh, North Stars jerseys. Yeah. Uh, yes. Have you seen the Minnesota Wilds? third alternate that they had last year for the re- uh, yes retros it was back. it was very cool it was very cool very very cool the, the north stores colors all day uh yeah awesome um um just so here were the uh while we're talking while, while we're at the mecca let me finish the mecca oh you don't want the, with the is that for the games uh, I, or I have two more games but you can finish oh them. i'm sorry go ahead go ahead i'm sorry go okay ahead. All right, Red Wings and the Blues at St. Louis. Red Wings were 3-2 winners. Iserman uh-huh. had a goal for the Red Wings. Brett Hall, a goal and an assist for the Blues. And then uh, go to Maple Leaf Gardens. Blackhawks over and the Maple Leafs. Toronto, 6-5 winners in OT. Wendell Clark had the goal uh, in OT with a minute and two into the period. Rob Brown had two goals for Chicago. And Jeremy Roenick had a power play goal. Ed Belfort, 25 saves for Chicago. Grant Fear, 24 saves. And the Blackhawks, I should mention at this time, coached by Mike Keenan. And they, of course, would go to the Stanley Cup Finals that year in 92, falling short yes, to the did. Penguins. And, but for Mike Keenan, he would have his glory two years later in New York. So That is true. Uh, yes. d- division leaders in the Norris, the Red Wings are 36, 19, and 9. The Canucks leading the Smythe at 34-20-9. Montreal leading the Adams at 37-22-8. And the Rangers leading the Patrick at 40-20-4. And Mark Bessier's first season in New York after getting traded to Edmonton in October. Yes. Yeah, that's when Pocklington really was emptying the coffers to uh, save money. He probably ended up, I think he ended up selling the uh, Oilers eventually. Yeah. I think it was yeah. what Mess. I think Messier and Graves for Bernie Nichols, and I forget who else. Uh, let's see, Mike. Mike. I must type Mike Messier. <laughs> He's probably some truck driver. Mark Messier. Let's see. Uh, okay, Mark Messier. Uh, he's sixty-three. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh. Uh, all right. On October 1st, 1991, 
in one of many cost-cutting moves by Edmonton management, Messe was traded to the Rangers for Louis DeBrusque, Bernie Nichols, and Stephen Rice. I feel like uh, the Rangers made out better because, I mean, no disrespect to Bernie Nichols, but he's no Mark Messier. Yeah. And those other two guys are scrubs. So, Well, remember, they got Messier and Adam Graves in that trade, so. Uh, I didn't see Adam Graves. Was that another? Unless well, he signed Wait. as a free agent. Let me, let me, uh, let's see. Adam Graves. Uh, Adam Grace. Wow, he looks weird. He's 55. He's 55 and he looks older than, uh, he looks older than fucking Messier. Uh, uh, I'm trying to find it. Telling the Rams mention penalty. Graves is more of an ugly incident. Um, yeah, he was a free agent. Okay. Uh, he, after the 90, 91 season, he left and he signed an offer sheet for five years and 2.44 million with uh, the Rangers, where he would join former teammates Mark Messier and Jeff Bukaboon. So, uh, talk about great goons in NHL history, Jeff Bukaboom. Jeff Bukaboom, oh, totally. Yeah, he's totally in that. Uh, you know, Bob Probert, Dave Manson wheelhouse. Those guys are high end, though. Um. Uh. I was talking about the Mecca. You can tell that we're really into this match because this match is actually quite terrible. Uh, love Vinny Vegas, but this match is awful. Um, here are the teams. You want to talk about a ton of teams. Here are the teams that played at the Mecca. Of course, the Bucks played there. The Milwaukee Hawks played there first from 51 to 55. The Bucks played there from 68 to 88. The Mar- uh, Marquette played there. From 74 to 88, the Milwaukee Admirals of the U.S. Hockey League, the American Hockey, the IHL and the AHL played there from 73 to 88 and then have been there since 2016. The Milwaukee Does of the Women's Professional Basketball League, see the Bucks, the Does, uh, they were there from 78 to 80. The Milwaukee Panthers played there. From the UW Milwaukee Panthers played there from 70, uh, 92 to 98, 2003 to 2012, and from 2013 to now. The Milwaukee Wave of the major arena soccer have been there since 2003. The Brew City Bruisers. Ooh. Ready for this league, uh, Greg? The Women's Flat Truck Derby Association. Oh, yeah, I know all about that. Yeah, we need jerseys for them. 2005 to 2021. The Milwaukee Bone Crushers of the Continental Indoor Football League, 08 to 09, and the Green Bay Chill of the of the Legends Football League in oh, 20. Formerly the uh, Lingerie Football League, the Legends Football League. I think that's what that is, right? I thought so. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, a lot of great concerts. Elvis played there in 72. Uh, 74 and 77. The Beatles played there in their 64 U.S. tour. Queen played there in 1980. Bob Dylan played two nights there in fall of 81, and then in 99 and 2001. And the Dead played there in 89. And of course, we mentioned all of the, um, we mentioned all of the wrestling. Well, uh, AEW was supposed to have Dynamite there on April 1st, 2020, but of course, the vid oh. was starting. 
So they moved it to August of 2021. Oh, by the way, uh, Jesse mentioned Tark when talking about Vinny's friends in Vegas. And uh, JR said, doesn't have a lot of job security right now. Well, I mean, which I find interesting uh, since, well, let's put it this way. The uh, the year before, of course, uh, UNLV, of course, uh, were supposed to be amazing. They went 34-1, and but their one loss was to Duke in the semis at uh, the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. They are often called the greatest team not to win the national championship. That 90-91 UNLV team probably could have beat half the NBA. They probably well, could have beat the Bucks. Yeah. Well, remember, they were the defending national champions from 90, so. That is true. Well, they were amazing, you know, and, and then uh, pants. Yeah, well, uh, also, I think this would be Tark's last year because didn't uh, Raleigh Massimino replace him uh, next yes, year? And, yep, and he coached them into the toilet. Oh, um yeah. Since that year, three teams have entered the tournament undefeated, and none of them won the tournament. I think the most uh, notable one was uh, the year uh, Kentucky lost in the final four to Wisconsin in 2015. Correct. Wichita State the year before, and then Gonzaga two years ago in 2021 or three years ago. That uh, was uh, and- that was the, uh, I think, did they lose to Baylor? Yeah, they lost to Baylor in the final. Yeah, they came the, the closest. Yeah, because remember, that was also in the final four. Suggs had that big game winner in the semis. Right, he did. Yep. How long is this match? I think this match is way longer than oh, it should have been. This match is probably way longer than it should have been. Oh, thank God it's over. The Z-Man and uh, Van Hammer get the win. Uh, do I even want to? Let's check the final runtime. This match was, uh, oh, God, 12.01. 12 minutes. This, Ugh. This Should have given three more minutes to Ron Simmons and Cactus Jack. I'd have been fine with that. Damn, that's a big boot there. Yep. There was a dark match, by the way. Just want to say there was a dark match. Big Josh, which, of course, was uh, Matt Bourne with the awesome uh, work boots on, defeated uh, Diamond Dallas Page. In 736. So that was the one dark match uh, leading up uh, before we went on the air with the show. So these next three matches are very long. So this, we're in, we're in now the three match stretch where almost an hour of match time is specific for this, uh, for this uh, stretch of matches, about an hour of match time. Um, This next match though is, these next two tag matches are pretty damn great. Uh, ah, I remember this. Oh. Yep. This is... And the lesson, never give Eric Bischoff a handshake or else that happens. Nope. Of course, they were... We just showed the uh, Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes in their convertible, and Barry was attacked by the Enforcers, the team of... Larry Zabisco and Arn Anderson. And of course, that led to uh, Ricky Steamboat's return at the Clash. Correct. Yep. But game. Larry and Arn are on two different teams. 
yeah. uh, tonight. There's a reason why, of course. We'll get to we'll see that in a minute. As these two guys continue swiveling in their office max rental chairs. <laughs> I don't know why they're I don't know why those chairs are getting on my nerves. It's, it just looks so cheesy. They you would think they should have like fancy chairs, you know? There probably was a clearance sale at Office Max in Milwaukee. It had to been. And Kip, Kip Fry was like, okay, this is the best we can do. So there is Larry Zabisco's partner, and there he is, your WCW World Television Champion, stunning Steve Austin and his beloved Lady Blossom. Uh, is, is that Medusa? Are we sure that's... Or maybe uh, that is Medusa. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. That is Medusa. That's not Lady yeah. Blossom. What am I talking about? That's okay. My bad. Well, because we're, we're, we're in Dangerous Alliance at this point, so... Yeah, that's true. My bad. Lady Blossom, of course, uh, is not around anymore. Uh, I think I think uh, Austin's had the TV title for a while. I think since the previous June, when he beat then babyface uh, Bobby Eaton. We'll see Bobby Eaton in a little while. So we have the team of Steve Austin and Larry Zabisco. Dangerous Alliance, because they're awesome. Against the bandaged Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes. Uh, this uh, this tag team match screams awesome. Because you've got four immensely capable workers. Um, who would have thought four years later in this building, Steve Austin would look nothing like that and would act nothing like that? <laughs> no. Quite crazy. And, and who would have thought four years later, also in this building, Dustin would look nothing like that. And that's true. <laughs> and Dustin would be walking in with a championship. He wouldn't be walking out with it, but he'd be walking in with it. Good call, uh, Greg. I didn't even think of that. And I got to say, it's Dustin has been back in uh, WCW for like a year after that short stint in WWF. So. Correct. And. I have to say, it's like the run Dustin has in 91-95 is just excellent here. Yes, I agree. I think it's incredible that in the, uh, who would have thought like 32 years from now, uh, Dustin's brother would be main eventing WrestleMania two straight years. I know. So many stories to finish. Well, we'll see in uh in Philly in April if uh yep. if the story finally is finished. Hopefully uh, it will is. be. I will say I I do hope to go to WrestleMania, but d- dear God, if I'm going the the night, it's Roman and Cody. There, yeah, I swear, I, I'm gonna say this: if if Cody doesn't win the belt, there's gonna be a January 6th style ride in Philly, and it's not gonna be pretty in that in that building. That's not a city you want to fuck with anybody. No, in LA, nobody, you know. Oh, in this city, well, it is the Eagles building, so feel free to burn it to the ground. But wait till everybody leaves first, and then you can burn it to the ground. Um. Uh. 
so you and I chuckle. This is an interesting stretch of the show, Greg, because you and I were goofing that this is a two-match show. But I got to say, I, I am curious what my thoughts will be on these next three matches. Yeah. You know, because these are actually pretty good matchups. Damn, Larry was on a roll here at this point. Yeah, and Larry, as I'm watching this, because I'm also one of my chrono watches, I'm in October of 88. I'm watching, like, everything in order. And Larry in 88 did not look as good as he does now. No. Uh, he was He's in good shape here. He was a little pudgy, and he had a terrible mullet in 88. What were your thoughts, Greg, on WCW using the Maple Leaf Gardens-esque ramp? I, I got to say, it made them look different from WWF with this ramp. Yeah, I agree. I actually prefer the ramp myself because then you can get to the ring much faster. Uh, I agree. So, okay, well, we, uh, this is going to be a long match. So, uh, might as well get the NCAA basketball top 25 out of the way since we talked about Tark the Shark in the last match. So we have the AP poll from February 24th of 92. So number 25, we got Nebraska, Connecticut at 24, Syracuse at 23, Florida State at 22, DePaul at 21, St. John's at 20, Cincinnati at 19, Georgetown at 18, Michigan at 17, Alabama at 16, Tulane at 15, Oklahoma State at 14, USC at 13, Michigan State at 12, Kentucky at 11, and then the top 10 going from 10 to 1. North Carolina, Arkansas, Ohio State, UNLV at 24 and 2, Missouri, Arizona, UCLA, Kansas, Indiana, and Duke. Duke, of course, the uh, defending national champions with Leitner's, with that whole team. I think the only non-senior was Grant Hill. Uh, I believe Hurley was a junior because he didn't was get drafted. Yeah, because he got drafted by the Kings in 93. Oh, okay. So I guess the only seniors were Leitner, Thomas Hill. Yeah. Yeah, because Grant was a sophomore at this point. Um, and... Uh, I'm thinking, uh, uh, of course, their two-year run would be ended by a certain Cal Berkeley Golden Bear by the name of Jason Kidd. Yeah. In, in 1993. But I have to say, 92, when you, whenever you think of that year in college basketball, you always think of that, the famous pass of the spectrum. Grant throws it to Leitner, the turnaround yep. shot. Good. And yep, the 1992 East Regional Final against Kentucky. Kentucky was making their way back. Of course, they had the death penalty in basketball, and Patino got them back to that level. That was probably one of the greatest basketball games I ever watched. 92 also was the first of the back to back years of the Fab Five. Michigan would make it to the final two straight years. Uh, and then 93, and would, oh, God. 
Timeout, Chris Weber. Uh, Timeout. I was watching that game from my uncle's uh, trailer in uh, upstate New York, rooting for Michigan. Oh God. Uh, I was at a I was at a dorm party at Providence College. Uh, two days before that game, in the semifinals, uh, Michigan and Kentucky played arguably one of the greatest Final Four games I ever watched in my life. Was oh, that I remember game, that. That semifinal yeah. game. You had the Fab Five against MASH on uh, Kentucky. Um, Kentucky would finally win the national championship in 1996. Um, not 1996. Yeah, 1996. Yeah, because they um, beat Bayheim in Syracuse. They, yeah, they beat John Wallace. And then, of course, they'd win it again two years later when they had those weird Denimi uniforms. And, um, and of course, 97. So. Hey, I don't want to spoil it because we might talk about that next month. Uh, we might. Ah, I wonder why we would talk about that next month. Hmm. I will announce that the uh, ballot uh, participants during the main event. So, as I always do, as I always do uh, here on Russell Tracks, I give everyone the ballot for next month's uh, show pick uh, during our main event. So, when we get to that, I will announce it. Um, I am, yeah. I am enjoying this match uh, yeah. uh, thoroughly, to be honest. I gotta say, what great hair Steve has at this point. Yes, oh, his hair is, it's not, it's, he's not, uh, he doesn't have the pattern bald this yet. Uh, he always had those awesome jams, jort tights. Um, I think it gets even better when they, uh, Hollywood blondes form. Yes, oh, those are so cool. Another great uh, theme, the Hollywood Blondes. I guess WCW, they use the most of those production music catalogs for their themes. Oh, yeah. Medium Rock, 44. <laughs> Heavy Rock, 12. Uh, trust me, I'm working in the business. I've seen all of those uh, editing uh, CD uh, <laughs> CD sets. Uh, that's I'm serious. That's what the tracks are. Yeah. Light Rock, 14. I did a TV production class like 20 years ago, and some of the CDs, I'm like, huh, this music seems very familiar to me. Oh, I saw it on here. Uh, of course, NFL Films has their own uh, production. You can get, uh, it's like a it's like a four CD set of every, of every uh, track, yeah. NFL Films track, yeah. I have the uh, original NFL Films CD that they put out like 25 years ago from Tommy Boy Records. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, Tommy Boy Records. Yeah, it was all about the jock jams. That's right. ESPN had that whole thing going on. With Dick Vitale's... Uh, Sound blurbs in the background. It's awesome, baby. Da, 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 da. Wow, Barry Windham and uh, Larry throwing bombs at each other. These two had a very good feud. I would say four years earlier, maybe even five years earlier, eighty-seven, for the uh, Western States Heritage Championship. Um, Larry and Barry Windham would feud over that uh, title. If I'm not this, that sucker. If I'm not mistaken, Larry uh, beat Barry for the uh, Western States Heritage title at Bunkhouse Stampede. Correct. 
they had been feuding throughout 87. And Larry, I mean, obviously by by where I am in the timeline, Barry is already a, a horseman and a heel, and he's the U.S. champion. But Larry is still carrying around the Western States Heritage title in October of 88. But by then, I don't even think the belt meant anything. I think Larry just carried it around as a trinket, to be honest. Ooh, that is a nasty clothesline by Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. And I think it retires with Larry because Larry goes to EWA after uh, Waller leaves. Because remember, didn't get paid for Super Clash 3, as we mentioned. And Larry yep. won the title in the Battle Royal. And you know who didn't pay him? Oh. Stanley Blackburn. Yeah, that jackass. What a jerk. By the way, there's, there's a fan wearing a Wayne's World shirt in the background. Ah. <laughs> well, the uh, movie yeah. movie had just come out, so. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about movies in a little bit. Yeah. The movies, uh, the movies of uh, this week in 1992. Yeah. Talk about that when we get to the next match. Yes, we'll talk about that in the next match. We'll also mention TV shows in 92. Of course, we're in the just in the beginning of the great era of the 1990s for sitcoms and such. Uh, I think, you know, Cheers was still on the air and Frasier hadn't started yet. I don't think Friends had started yet. So we'll, I'm looking forward to Greg giving us the TV uh, schedule yeah. in a little bit. Well, well yeah. Leap Soft year, spot. Leap year day 92. So see what's what's on the TV. We'll see what's on. Exactly. Well, this um, was well Saturday night. This was a pay per view, so it's like this was back when networks actually still broadcasted on Saturday nights. Because now they just give up. Yeah, they tank it mostly repeats and sporting events. Correct. Well, yeah, hoops, college football in the fall. I'm gonna guess that ESPN probably had. Uh, ESPN probably had some hoops on. Yeah, I was actually looking it up. I think ESPN, because I was looking up February 29th, 1982 games. They had, if I can, oh, Xavier against Dayton. Oh, Ohio action. Yeah. And uh, Dan Patrick was, if you look at the preview pick, if you find it, it's on a channel called Xavier Basketball Classic Games. You can see Dan Patrick in the crowd at Dayton because he's an alumni of the University of Dayton. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, Medusa, that Jezebel. Um, no, no, Jesse, I believe Dustin is taken. Yeah. Ooh. Hmm. Getting down to a little ground and pound here. Was there anybody I think more like like consistently great in WCW than Larry? I mean, listen, he I feel like he fit the persona 
of uh, the the Dangerous Alliance to a T. Um, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, because Jesse made a great point. Why is Paul E. not here? That is very true. We're going to have uh, more Dangerous Alliance members uh, in our next match. Actually, the next three matches all have Dangerous Alliance guys. But yeah, Larry, I mean, he's great here with the Dangerous Alliance, but then like, when he becomes a broadcaster, it's like... That's where he became like really great to me was when he was in uh, the broadcast booth. And then, of mm-hmm. course, later, the great stuff with the NWO. The New World Odor. Oh, yeah. He was like, I got to say, probably like he was probably like the third most over baby face in the company behind Sting. I know. Me. Yep. Actually, no, Luger. So it'd be what Sting, DDP, Luger, and Larry is the most over baby faces in the company. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I would not uh I would not disagree with you on that. Gotta say this match has been I, I've enjoyed this match more than I than I remember. I'm gonna say that. Oh turn around, Nick. God, even Tim White could have counted better than that. <laughs> our next, our, our last three matches of the show after this one, all for championships. Titles on the line for the next three matches after this one, so. Really working the headlock here. Oh, Jesse said something good. Uh, Jim said something about you're a politician, Jesse. You know what this is all. That is, about. Yes. Remember, that, remember, Jesse's the mayor uh, in Minnesota. Brooklyn Park. Point. Yep. Mayor of Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Six years later, he would be governor. I always thought that was awesome. Jesse was a mayor. Yeah, even, I thought that was cool, kid, too. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. And you know that if he was still in the WWF, Vince would not have gone for that shit. What do you mean you got to miss a pay-per-view because you have a council meeting? (laughs) You know, it's like because you got to vote on pothole fixing. Well, seven years later, it'd be like, eh, whatever. When uh, he came back for SummerSlam. Correct. And he did hire him uh, for the original XFL when he was still governor. Yeah, him and and uh, Hitman coach Rusty Tillman. Oh, Rusty! T- I'm getting under was, his skin, Jr. Like that was so great. What a mess! I had uh, two friends actually. One of them is the purveyor of the PTB Pop Experience, Mr. Andy Atherton. He and my our buddy Steve 
were season ticket holders of the New York, New Jersey Hitmen. Oh, that's sick. So, I would have I would yeah. loved to have gone to an original XFL game. I heard that yeah. was awesome. They said, they said they were yeah, they had a, they said they had a lot of fun. Super, oh, no super oh. there. I loved everybody's helmets and uniforms in that original XFL. Was it the oh. Memphis Maniacs? Memphis Maniacs, yeah. They were cool. They had that powder blue. And there's the win. There's a dub. A dub for Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes. So the Dangerous Alliance are 0 for 1 in their three matches this evening. That guy looks familiar. Um, the Lariat off the top rope. And Barry Windham gets the pin on Larry Zabisco. Larry, of course, ate a ton of pins he was the pin eater for the, uh, as awesome as he was, he was the pin eater uh, for uh, um, Dangerous Alliance. For the Dangerous Alliance, yeah. So, But uh, going back to the jerseys, um, if you go to royalretros.com, they actually do sell custom original XFL jerseys. So if you wanted to get like a Memphis Maniacs custom Alvin Harper jersey, you can do that. That's pretty awesome, actually. But, yeah, Eric's got the Michigan jacket on. Uh, he does, because our next match is for the uh, WCW World Tag Team Championships. I don't know uh, if yeah Eric was getting a rash, because I think he's a Golden Gophers fan. But uh, <laughs> um, okay. that or it smells bad. Oh, my God. Don't mess up your hair. Oh, hello, Missy. Missy's hair is getting a little frazzled. I wonder why. Her, her, her makeup doesn't look smudge, smudge, though. Oh, the ninja. The ninja. Ooh, Ricky Steamboat going through some meditations. Of course, Ricky is getting a U.S. heavyweight title shot uh, oh. shortly. Oh, here we go. A couple of uh, blondies here, Missy and Medusa. Oh, that's right. Medusa would know Japanese because, yeah. Of course, this is before both these ladies would get their uh, respective boob jobs. Oh, the ninja. Ninja's not taking any of this shit. I don't want to have any part of these hot bimbos. Oh. <laughs> Missy Hyde's still smiling. That's great. A woman's going to get beat up by a ninja. (laughs) All right. 
we now go to the ring for our next match. The World Tag Team titles are on the line. Hello, Mr. Capetta. I love Gary Michael Capetta. Place to be podcast alumnus. I follow him on Facebook as well. There are our challengers, Rick and Scat, the Steiner brothers. Of course, this is way before the uh, Slam Jam album, because obviously they would get a uh, much better theme than this one. So, again, as I mentioned, these next couple matches are all dangerous. And there's Paulie. Because our world tag team champions, Double A and beautiful Bobby, Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson, are your world tag team champions as parts of the Dangerous Alliance. And they are taking on the Steiner Brothers. Uh, I like this match because you got four absolute, you know, $2 stakes. Um, Never, and I know you don't, Greg, never discount. The greatness that is Bobby Eaton. Oh, Never. definitely. I got to say Bobby Eaton, the ultimate utility man as far as tag team wrestling goes. Totally. He's like Billy Gunn, only better. <laughs> I got to say, the Blue Bloods, my all-time favorite, uh, acted in 1995 WCW. Robert Earl Eaton? Or Earl Robert Eaton? Wait. Oh, Kip Fry is issued... Rolling for the match. Ooh. Paulie has to leave the ring. Hmm. So no Paulie in this match. The Steiners will not have to worry about him on the outside. There's weird, big, jacked up. Who's that guy? Another referee. All these extra refs dragging Paulie away with his phone. So no outside interference. It is just Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton. Oh, and there's. Medusa, who didn't get her ass kicked by the ninja. <laughs> so now Medusa will replace uh, Paulie. So Medusa will be at ringside. She's allowed. Okay. And of course, there are the tag belts. Pee Wee, you got to turn the other one upside down. I uh, right set up. I fucking hate that. Those are nice belts. I did like those. Actually, I did. I wish they were a little bigger because I like my I like my belts to be big and opulent and gaudy. But uh, I the shape wise, I liked. I always did like those those tag belts. So double A and beautiful Bobby against Rick and Scott. This one I think is going to be a little different than our previous match. Yeah, our previous match had a little kind of flying around, even though it was you know, uh, 
you know, guys like Zabisco and stuff. But this one's totally going to be a, a ground and pounder. Uh, yeah, a lot of technical wrestling here. Oh, there'll be some technical moves. We're going to see a bat. You know, at some point we're going to see a badass spine buster. So probably Scott's going to do a uh, Frankensteiner at some point. Yep. When he was still in shape and, you know, wasn't going to fucking kill anybody. All right, so uh, let me go over the top 10 movies of the weekend of February yes. 28th to March 1st of 92. All okay. right, so number 10, we got The Prince of Tides. Number nine is Ugh. Mississippi Masla with Denzel. Number yep. eight, and it's uh, 16th week at the box office. It's grossed $116 million. Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah? Well, this was the beginning. Of, I've said this a lot on Place Me Podcast, this Early 90s is the beginning of the Disney renaissance, uh, particularly animated, of course. Yep. Uh, number seven, final analysis with Richard Gere, Richard and, Gere Kim, and, Kim and Kim Basinger. Yeah, great movie. Actually, very good movie. Yep. Uh, number six, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle with Rebecca de Mornay. Yes, she was crazy. Uh, number, five, number five, Medicine Man with uh, Sean. Yes, Sean and... Uh, Lorraine Bronco. Lorraine Bronco. Bronco. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number four, we got fried green tomatoes. Number three. Oh, my God. Stop or my mom will shoot. Ah, uh, yes. With Sly and Estelle Getty. Oh, God. Sly was in a bad patch here in the early 90s. No. Ugh. Uh, number two, memor- Memoirs of an Invisible Man with Chevy oh, Chase. Oh, Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember that movie. Yeah. But number one, we mentioned it earlier, and it's third week in the box office. It's grossed $46.1 million. Wayne's World. Wayne's World, yep. yep. And that was the uh, big box office hit of that movie. I remember going to see that in the theaters, and I was went to see it. I'm like, this is like, I, I was eight when I saw it. But even then, I'm like, this is like an, an amazing comedy. I thought it was good. Listen, it was one of my favorite SNL sketches. Um, Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Later that year, though, 92, I don't know when, uh, we would get Batman Returns uh, with uh, Michael and uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito. I believe Final uh, Basic Instinct came out that year, too. Uh, I believe so, yes, yeah. Yeah, I think at some point, yep. Of course, everyone remembers that for that one scene. Ah, yes. You, you all know yep. what we're talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gave Wayne Knight the chills. Indeed it did. There's your college graduate from Michigan. Right there in his finest. <laughs> Bo I feel like... Ocean Blanker, I hope you're proud of what you created. <laughs> I feel like uh, the Steiners, the way the Steiners dynamic was, uh, would be a lot of how the Briscoes would become 20 years later. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rick is like Mark, crazy, unhinged. And Scott was like Jay, kind of the captain, the the more level-headed one. I feel like they. I feel like they come from that cloth. I just thought of that. It's like literally two seconds ago when we were watching this. I'm like, you know what? 
The Briscoes kind of acted like this too. Rick was Mark and Scott was Jay. Incidentally, I I uh, should mention, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Greg. It just came up on the news a couple hours ago. Uh, with Arn Anderson in the ring, this just reminded me. We had a death in the wrestling family. Yeah, I saw that. that day. Uh, Ole Anderson passed away. I believe he was 81. Um, of course, Ole, an original horseman with Arn and Rick and, and Tully. Um, he was the, you know, grumpy bastard on camera and in real life. But it's Ole. I mean, he was a booker. He was a promoter. He was one of the first guys to really put the horseman over. Um, he will be missed. I mean, obviously, younger fans know him as the guy who used to sit in the lobby of the NWA Fan Fest pissing and moaning about how much he hated Flair. But <laughs> we thought he was, you know, a little bit past at that point. But one of my he favorites, was still, uh, one of my favorites is that one Observer Live where he's bitching about Dave about the whole thing. Yeah. That's one of my favorite Observer Lives ever. Yeah. I have to say, I'm trying to remember if, if uh, JR and I talked about this when we were in this stretch of the podcast, of the Place Be Podcast. I feel like pl- talent for talent, I feel like WCW may have a slightly better roster than WWF at this time. Yeah. I mean, they, you have a great main event. In WWF, obviously, Hogan and, and Sid and Flair and Savage. And, uh, well, Perfect's hurt, but you got Piper, Brett. But I, I, I contend immediately, WCW's tag division was definitely better at this point than WWF's was, my opinion. Otto Von, or uh, what do you call it? Uh, I almost called him Otto Vons, but Dennis Franz is sitting there going, hey, Medusa, don't move. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should call him K. Allen Noriega. That's funny. I like uh, Bobby's tights tonight. The almost great American bashish. The stars. Uh, Listen, I was a big fan of the Midnight Express's diagonal stripes tights uh, back in the day. 87, 88.
Oof. Oh. Nice suplex on the on the ramp. Talent has used the ramp uh, very extensively this evening. I've seen a lot of moves uh, executed off the ramp. Now they'll drag. Uh, ooh, dropped him on the rope. I believe the next pay per view after the show was uh, Wrestle War, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was. Uh, which, of course, had arguably one of the, if not the greatest, uh, War Games match of all time. Sting Squadron versus, of course, the Dangerous Alliance. Steiners have been dominating this match. They did a little doomsday device action there. Crowd is not as uh, animated those last couple of matches. As, I mean, it's a, the one thing about WCW, they left their their uh, house lights on brighter than WWF would because I feel like WWF, you wouldn't see the crowd as easily. No. As here. I'm thinking this crowd's a little flat. This big match. Aren't wearing powder blue boots. Well, white boots with the powder blue trim, which is very un like It doesn't seem like to be a, a, a color of his. Arn is usually white and white with some red or maybe wear black. Oh, we got a guy back there with some face paint. Yeah. A little stinger in the crowd. I'm sure he's not the only one. A lot of stingers in the crowd. Funny that uh, we have Arn and Bobby Eaton as a team because, again, one of my, uh, one of my current Chrono watches, I'm in uh, the fall of 88, and... The Midnight Express just won the then NWA World Tag Team titles from Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard because they were about to leave uh, for the uh, WWF. They had to drop the uh, U.S. Tag Team titles. Uh, those would be vacated, and then I think by December, I think the Fantastics win a tournament or something. Midnight Express don't hold the belts very long, though. Probably within the next couple of months, they end up losing to uh, uh, the Road Warriors. 
I like uh, Scott's uh, tights, uh, little neon green, kind of little Mr. Perfect action tonight with his uh, neon green and black tights. A lot of green tonight. Uh, Medusa's got green on. Some bomb throwing by Scott there. Oh, oh wow, that looked oh. like it was that looked that looked pretty flush. Ooh, Arn threw uh, Scott's head right into Bobby's head, and yeah. that looked pretty. Uh, that looked pretty flush, temple to temple. WCW would actually uh, do monthly pay-per-views, obviously, before WWF would really institute it. I guess roughly around the same time, but around late 94, early 95. Because while, and, and 1992 was an interesting year, too, because WCW would ramp up their Clash of the Champions, whereas WWF started to phase out uh, Saturday night's main event. They had one a couple weeks before this show. That's one where Sid walked out on Hogan. Then I believe they wouldn't do another one again until October. Yeah, they only did like two on Fox. Yeah, that one, the one that was a couple weeks before this, and then the one in October where, of course, uh, Shawn Michaels won his first Intercontinental title. And then we wouldn't see Science Main Event for 14 years till 2006. Nice DDT. God, I love Arn. It's a shame. I guess, I mean, he won the television title multiple times, but I feel like at least take the next level and give Arn a, a U.S. title run, you know? Problem is, uh, you know, Arn definitely could have been a, a, a world champion. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, they had their chances in these couple of years where they kind of, you know, Vader and, you know, and Sting and Simmons. Like, there there, there, there was a place, I, in my opinion, in these few years where Arn could have been a world champion. Because it wasn't, with the minute Hogan got there in 94, it was not going to happen. No. But I, I really do feel like Arn could have gotten a world title opportunity at some point in these couple of years, 92, 93, 94, early 94. Well, he does, he does get that NWA title match with Wyndham at Slambury. That is true.
Bobby oh. Eaton getting on the top rope. Oh, this is going to be sick. Wow. Right on the oh. ramp off the top rope. Damn. That was a good move. Right on Scott. Wow. This has been a very physical match. This has been a real surprising show. It's like, I only remember this for the two matches. and I I, I kind of remember this being a, a really good show. I mean, I know a lot of people obviously talk about Liger and Pillman, and a lot of people obviously talk about Sting and, and, uh, and Luger, but... Uh, watching this middle card, yeah, we had a couple of stinkers. That uh, you know, that Bagwell Terry Taylor match was not that great, and that tag with Vinny Vegas was pretty lousy. But but the previous tag with uh, Zabisco and Steve um, against Barry and, du- and Dustin, I thought that match was really good. This match has been very good. A uh, lot of lot of shots in this one. A lot of potato. Make a lot of French fries in the ring because I'm seeing a ton of potatoes. Um. Then we have the final match involving a Dangerous Alliance guy next for the United States title. And then, um, and then of course, our main event. So, I, I, you know, we were talking about this, Greg, and you were like, yeah, it's a two-match show. And I'm thinking, I feel like we, we could probably get more out of this, out of this show. And uh, I have been pleasantly surprised. So I thank you once again, our wonderful listeners, here on Wrestle Tracks and of the PTB Wrestling Network uh, for voting this show. 51%, Greg. It was pretty uh it was pretty uh uh undisputed. If you looked at our at the poll, I think it was 51% wanted this. I think 39% wanted uh oh wow. What the hell was that? Oh, oh okay. That was wild. It was like a doomsday device reversal. Crazy. Um, yeah, this got like 51%. I think the second main event got 39%. And I think the first main event got 11%. So this, this got over half the vote. So people really wanted to watch this show. There we go. Bulldog off the top rope. I will be very curious. And again, I will announce the matches when we get to the main event. I'll be very curious about the voting for our, up oh, handful of powder. Oh, no. That devastating power. Oh. Right in Rick's eyes. Rick Steiner just suplexed uh, the referee, which I think is that crazy guy. I don't think it's Pee Wee. Oh, over the top rope, Greg. You know what that means. Oh, good thing that uh, freaking Bill is not here yet. Oh. No, it's the other ref. It's the other. Oh, not- so Pee Wee. I think I think that was Pee Wee that got the. Uh, I think that was Pee Wee that got the powder in the face. There's the Frankensteiner. Here we go. The Steiners are your world tag team champions. Uh oh. Oh, what now? What's that? Oh, another referee. Kiwi. Uh oh. Oh no! Are we getting a dusty finish? Up. Oh, oh, we're getting a dusty finish. 
are getting a DQ. Rick Steiner is getting disqualified because he suplexed Pee Wee while being blinded by the powder. So the heels get the edge, which means, Greg, the ghost or the uh, silent WCW commissioner, Stanley Blackburn, makes the decision in favor of the heels. Oh, well, I figure he's been unemployed since AWA went down. Pretty so. much. We get a little promo for Wrestle War, which will be live from Jacksonville on Sunday, May 17th. And you never know. Might be on the May ballot. Hmm. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe we should do maybe we should do another uh another mecha show uh and put over the edge ninety eight on there. <laughs> Uh, dusty finish. So there it is. Arn throws powder in Rick's face. The referee did not see the powder. And uh, Pee-wee gets thrown into him. And there it is. Rick gets supl- Rick suplexes Pee-wee Anderson. Pee-wee has no idea that Rick got powder thrown in his face. And the Steiners are disqualified. Uh, okay, here's what I don't get, Scott. Arn pushed yeah. Randy into Rick. Rick, I know. So- so, like, why isn't he disqualified? Right. But either way, obviously, it wouldn't have mattered as the Dangerous Alliance, Bobby Eaton, and Arn Anderson will keep their World Tag Team Championships. That was actually a fun match. I enjoyed that match a lot. Dusty finish aside. Blackburn finish. If it's a du- Is it a Dusty finish or is it a Blackburn finish or a uh, Stanley finish? Uh, I think we should rename it the Blackburn finish. The Blackburn finish. When a heel wins out, when the heel gets sympathy, it's the Blackburn finish. Now we go back to Missy. Well, a lot of wrestlers wanted the Missy finish. Ho ho! Oh God! Um, <laughs> uh oh. Let's see. Sneaking. Oh, what is the ninja back? Is oh, the, the ninja's ninja? not there. Oh, now the ninjas is there. Oh, and there is Ricky. I wonder who the ninja is. Mm. Steamboat, of course, uh, was in the WWF in 1991, pretending, uh, being told that he was a rookie because Vince wanted to bury him because what happened in 1988, which I thought is kind of fucking stupid, but that was Vince. Um, uh, um, so... Yeah, he left at the end of 91, realizing that he was going to get shit in this company, and I don't blame him. And then he left, and of course, as uh, Greg mentioned, after that incident with Barry Windham getting his hand slammed to the car door, Ricky returned on an episode of The Clash, and the place went batshit, so. Oh, yeah. There is our United States heavyweight champion. That belt, by the way, is sitting on uh, on my wall. Uh, and that is Ravishing Rick Rude, the, the crown jewel, the face of the uh, Dangerous Alliance. 
That belt looks a little different than my belt. I have the WCW, like the belt from probably the like the Nitro era. It's a little wider, the main plate, but it's roughly the same. Oh, let's hear what Rick has to say, this mecha crowd. Oh, geez. Milwaukee Sweat Hogs? Let's take a look. I'm going to turn it up a little bit. Let's see. That guy's got a nice NASCAR t-shirt on. Ooh, a nice Bad Street USA t-shirt. I always wanted one of those. Vanishing Rick Rude. Ah, that's a that's great sign right there. Sign of the night. Yes. Milwaukee Meatheads. Ooh. Couch potatoes. Oh. Rude's WCW music is fucking amazing. Yeah. This is so. Uh, as we all know, Rude was Rude was a total Jesse guy. Yeah, Rude was a total Jesse guy. <laughs> nice tights. Let's not forget Rick Rude, the winner of the Jesse the Body Award. The Jesse the Body Award. That's right. So is like the ninja like his bodyguard? I'm guessing so. I, I don't remember him having a ninja as a bodyguard, to be quite honest with you. So I'm kind of perplexed by this, but <laughs> Wow, look at that Norman the Lunatic in the background with that red with that red shirt on. So yeah, JR mentioned that uh Ricky three years ago this month was the uh, world champion beating Rick at Chi Town Rumble. And now Jesse's like, it's a, why is he allowed to have a ninja, but Polly dangerously can't come here? It's that dictator fry again. I'm gonna call him Ferdinand Fry from now on. It's just like Ferdinand, Ferdinand Marcos. That's 
That's a nice uh, WCW cardboard belt that one fan has. I agree. Those are pretty cool uh, lizard tights that uh, that, that uh, Steamboat has on. Ricky had a lot of great tights. Okay, while well, they're about to store it, how about we now go over what would have been on TV this Saturday night on February 29th, 1982 on a leap year day. Uh, please partake, sir. Okay. On Fox, we have a repeat of cops at eight o'clock. We have America's most wanted at nine. And then we have a, a, a pilot, an un, uh, like a pilot for a show called firehouse. This was like back in the days where like you would put all your unsold pilots on television and just burn them off on like a Saturday night or something. Um, CBS, we had a TV movie called Shipwrecked at eight o'clock. Well, actually, no. I th- let me just look it up. Wikipedia Shipwrecked. Oh, Shipwrecked. Okay, Shipwrecked was a movie from 1990 out of Disney. Starring Gabriel Byrne. So, okay. And then at 10 o'clock, we have a show called The Boys of Twilight. This was a premiere episode. This show lasted like five episodes, one unaired. And in this show, you're not going to believe this, Scott, playing a deputy, Wilford Brimley. Mm. Diabetes. Diabetes. People with diabetes. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so ABC. Now, this was when they were like, this was a weird period at ABC on Saturday nights because they tried to like spin off TGIF and try to make Saturday night its like own sort of TGIF thing called I Love Saturday Night, but this n- did not work at all. Mm-hmm. So, okay, eight o'clock, we have an animated series. I don't know if you remember this, Scott. From Steven mm-hmm. Bochco of all people. Capital Critters. This was like a uh, sh- this was like a show no. about like mice that lived in the White House. What? I'm not, I'm not even joking. And do you know who the lead voice was on this show? Because he would have been very big in ABC in nineteen ninety two. You want to take John Stamos? No, not John Stamos. Oh. All right, Stephen Boschko. Fake. Who's on a Stephen Boschko show on ABC in 1982? 1992. Uh, well, LA Law was on NBC. NBC. Yeah. Um, what does Stephen Boschko have on ABC at this time? Uh, was it 30 something? No. No. Okay. I'll just I'll spell it out. Okay. Think. think the letters M and D. Oh, Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Yes, Doogie. That's right. Yes. Yep. And then at uh, 8.30, we had Who's the Boss at 8.30. Ah. This would be the last season of Who's the Boss. Yep. At n- 9 o'clock, you had Perfect, Stra- Perfect Strangers, which was in its next to last season. Then at 9.30, you had Growing Pains, which was in its final season. This was the uh, Leo DiCaprio season. 
Uh, yes, the shark jumper of yeah. Leo DiCaprio. Of course, uh, five years later, he would uh, have a great adventure on a, a ship that hit an iceberg. So That is true. And then he drowned. <laughs> Should have not let Kate Winslet onto that damn door. Uh, and then at 10 o'clock, second straight show, we have a new episode on a show we're covering. The Commish. I just watched. You know, it's funny you say that. I want to mention this, Greg, while uh, Rick, oh, Ricky has Rude in a uh, armbar. Armbar. Uh, the doctor, Dr. G and his wife and I, uh, was it last year? Maybe the year before. We actually watched the full series of The Commish. Oh. Uh, a very young Michael Chiklis. It was on. It was either on Freebie, which was IMDb TV at that time. Or it was on Amazon Prime. I don't remember now. Uh, good show. He was. It actually took place in Westchester. Uh, he was. A, he was a police commissioner of a. I forgot the name of the town. Um, of a uh, town in Westchester. Pretty interesting. Very unlike the Shield. Which, uh, of course. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. And then on uh, NBC, we have a one-hour episode. Uh, one-hour episode of the Golden Girls at eight o'clock. Uh, empty nest at nine. Nurses at nine thirty, and then we have sisters at ten. But the highest-rated show of the night was Empty Nest with a fifteen-six and a twenty-eight share. Right behind the Golden Girls had a fifteen-two and a twenty-eight share. They were still cooking at this point. Yeah. Uh, the Golden Girls would be in its last season because if you all remember, Scott, and we covered this mm-hmm. on the show, the next year, the Golden Girls would be spun off as uh, another show, Golden Palace on CBS, which was the Golden Girls' Sands B. Arthur working at a hotel in Florida. Even though Golden Palace uh, sounds like a fucking Chinese place. <laughs> yeah. Well, I believe also on Golden Palace, we had uh, Cheech Marin and a young uh, Dom Cheadle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, we covered that I on, it was like on TV. It was like episode 143, I want to say, back in 2021. Hmm. Oh, we had a botch move there that didn't work. Yeah, it looked like uh, they were. Tra- they, it looks like they were supposed to go over the top rope. But one thing about those, the, and, and Doctor G and I talk about this a lot on various pods over the years. WCW had very tight ropes because they yeah. weren't really ropes; they were more like cables and wrapped in plastic or rubber. Whereas WWF, they were actual ropes, you know, wrapped in the tape. But in WCW, the ropes were actually cable in rubber or whatever, like a rubber casing. And sometimes they didn't have much give, and I think that was a case there. They, I think they were meant to fall over the top rope together and did not. So they kind of oh. improvised because they needed to get Ricky Steamboat out, out on the ropes. Oh, so. oh J- Jesse said to JR, you going to get that cowboy hat like I told you? That is That is legitimately funny. I have to say, uh, Greg, I have enjoyed this show more than I uh, actually remembered, even though I do 
always remembered liking this show. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm enjoying this show more than I planned to. I like Rude's tights. I think I said that already. Look very comic strippy. Yes, and I love I love Steamboat's uh, lizard tights or whatever they are. Lizard. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is the second big show that Rick and Ricky have wrestled against each other in because they were the opener of uh, the 88 Rumble. That is correct. And this match is much better than that one. Oh, yeah. Well, they'd have a much better match in uh, in July. The Iron Man match at Beach Blast. I believe that Iron Man match is on the uh, Rise and Fall in WW, uh, WCW set WWE put out. If not, mm-hmm. it's definitely on the uh, Steamboat DVD. Is the ninja taking a nap? I don't know where he is. Yeah. I haven't even seen him. on. Oh, look at that guy. Look at that guy walking up with that Miami uh, <laughs> oh. 14... Uh, Jersey. Uh, mesh jersey. What's that? Uh, that's a cheapo Vinny Testaverde from six years earlier. When they were wearing the fatigues against Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl. That's right. And then Vinny proceeded to throw 42 picks in that game, which he would parlay into throwing a bunch of picks in the NFL. When he was out of Tampa Bay until uh, the Browns revived his career. Pretty much. I mean, what was it? That second year, I think, which would be what? 88. Oh, God. Pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure Vinny threw like 37. Inter- I got to look that up. I'm pretty sure he threw like 37 picks his second year. I got to look that up. Let's see. Uh, Because he threw like a butt ton of picks. Oh yeah, he definitely. He played for twenty years. Nice pile driver. Yeah, I remember him with the Cowboys, like in uh, '04 or '05. It was in between stints with the Jets. '04, he was there in '04. Uh, let's see. Oh, there we go. Um. 1988, okay? He started 15 games. He completed 47.6% of his passes. That's terrible. 3,240 yards, 13 touchdowns, 35 interceptions. Oh, my God. And the following year, he led the league with 22 interceptions. So... His first three years in Tampa, 87, 88, and 89, Vinny threw 38 touchdowns and 63 interceptions. Fortunately, in the end, he ended up throwing more touchdowns than picks 
in his career. He would throw 275 touchdowns and 267 interceptions. In 2000 with the Jets, he led the league with 590 completion attempts. Oh. His career high for touchdowns, 1996 with the Ravens, he threw 39 to 33 touchdown passes. Followed by 1998 with the Jets when he uh, when he threw 29. The year he went 12 and one as a starter. Oh yeah, because Foley would have been the back. Quinn Foley, I think, was the backup in uh, '98. Right. Uh, four times Vinny led the league in interceptions. One of them was the year he played for us, 2004, with the Cowboys. He threw 20 picks that led the league. Yeah, essentially anyway. 04, there was like a. Tr- it was essentially like not really, but it was like a kind of like. The Cowboys signed Vinny and the Jets signed Quincy Carter. So it was like an unofficial trade for each other. Right. And then then the Cowboys would get uh, Romo. Uh, Drew. Well, no, they would get Drew Bledsoe. Bledsoe, it, it, you know what? Twice in his career, Vinny, uh, Drew Bledsoe would get hurt and would lead to the emergence of another quarterback. It happened with Brady in, in 2001. And in 2006... It happened with Dallas because he got hurt, and uh, and then Romo would end up starting, and we all knew what happened after that. So, twice Drew Bledsoe's injuries led to his team's uh, surprising fortunes. Yeah, well, dear God, if uh, I was, I'm going to say this: if Tom Brady does replace Greg Olson next year, it's safe to say that Tony Romo will be a much better number one color guy than Tom Brady. Yes. Because, dear God, I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, no. I have a weird feeling he's going to be not very good. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'll say this. The only people that like Tom Brady are people in New England, people in Tampa Bay, and people who work in the media. Outside Pretty of much. that, Nobody likes Tom Brady. No. Once, uh, Vinny threw for over 4,000 yards. That was, again, 96 with the Ravens when he also had his career high in touchdown passes. That's weird. Man, this Dennis Franz guy has not been impressed by anything on this show. No, he is very grumpy. He's like the Met, he's like that guy that he looks like that Mets fan guy that does the thumbs down. He kind of looks just like him. Oh, as we as we refer to him, it, it was a thing on TV as Yankees thumbs down guy. Because people forget that was during the Yankees game where they played the Rays at City Field. <laughs> When the uh when the hurricanes hit Florida in twenty seventeen. Yes. I think it was like Todd Frazier hit a home run and he did the famous thumbs down. It's pretty funny. Ooh, they both tried to do leapfrogs and smacked each other. Yeah. This match is good. I don't think it's as good 
as the uh I don't think this is as good as the um Beach Blast. The Beach Blast one, yeah. I don't think yeah, it's as good. That's much so, better. The Iron Man, that Iron Man's amazing. This hasn't been bad though. No. Now rude with a sleeper. At Miami, Vinny had 48 touchdowns and 25 interceptions in four years. The year he won the Heisman, uh, 2,557 yards, 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Can you imagine winning the Heisman with 2,500 passing yards? I know. Much different sport back then. Yeah, well, he won it because Miami was undefeated and the defending national champions. He was handed the team when Bernie Kosar graduated. So he kind of got a leg up on everybody else. And then he proceeded to throw 47 picks. <laughs> Let me see how many picks he threw. I got to check that. Uh, oh, he threw like a gajillion picks in that. Uh, let's see. It was the, I'd make it. I'd make a joke here, but about the interceptions on the defense. But considering who Miami played against that game, uh, no. DJ Dozier was the uh, MVP. Um, of course, Penn State won fourteen ten. Uh. We do not get a box score. That's a bummer. Um, oh, wait, box scores. I think he threw five. I am pretty sure he threw five. Meanwhile, Ricky is getting very close to becoming United States champion, which incidentally is a belt he held in the past. Uh, of course, it was back in the you know late seventies, early eighties. He was feuding with, of course, the great Ric Flair. Um, Ooh. you know what? There is no, there is no uh, box score. I might have to go to his uh, wiki page. What do you say? What do you what do you say about wiki again? What's the disclaimer? Oh, truth by consensus, Wikipedia. Truth by consensus. College career. Here we go. Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, he played in the 87 Fiesta Bowl against Penn State for the national championship, a game in which Miami was heavily favored but lost 14-10 in a game in which he threw five picks, including one to Pete Giftopoulos that clinched it for the Pitney Lions. He's colorblind, Vinny Testaverde, and apparently during his tenure in Tampa, Testaverde received taunts from fans and radio personalities about his colorblindness. 
Oh, Jesus. In 1988, a radio station in Tampa re-rented a billboard that had Testaverde standing in front of a blue background. Uh, the billboard what, what? read, Vinny thinks oh! this is orange. Oh! oh! Did the did the, the ninja turn heel? Oh, wait, a cell phone. Oh, wait. Wait a minute, Scott. You don't think. You don't think. Was he the ninja? Nah, I can't see that. Was was Paul E the ninja? I know that Great. you could have a. I know that there was a such thing as a fat ninja, but I guess yeah, because Chris Farley and Beverly Hills Ninja, I guess. Smack. He is kind of a chunky ninja. He's waddling like an old woman. <laughs> All right. So what, what was it we were going to say about Vinny? Um, uh, a Tampa radio station put a billboard up with him with blue in the background. And the guy said, Vinny thinks this is orange. Oh, oh that was mean. So Rick Rude reads the United States heavyweight championship. What was ended by being a very good match against uh, against Ricky Steamboat, but this this feud, of course, uh, Greg is far from over. Bischoff and uh, Tony are doing their little hosting duties. Um, Oh. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Of course, Jesse thinks that's awesome. And look at that these... print! Look at that print shop uh, printed behind Jr.'s head of Luger and Sting. That took a lot of print shop paper. That's what I used to have, anyway. Those holes on the paper, so great. Probably did that on his Mac Two or Apple Two. Yeah, or Apple Two C. I had an Apple Two C actually. That was my computer from eighty four to ninety two. Then by the time I got to college, I had to, I was writing for the newspaper and I used those computers. Uh, somebody's wearing a holding a Twins hat. Of course, the previous fall, the Minnesota Twins won the uh, World Series in seven games over the uh, Atlanta Braves. And the city of Minnesota, speaking of Jesse Ventura, just hosted Super Bowl 26 about what? Five weeks earlier, that yeah. saw the Washington uh, Redacteds uh, defeat the uh, Buffalo Bills um, in Super Bowl 26, 37-24. And then in a couple People, weeks, they'll be hosting the Final Four. They will. Yes, they will. So in a six-month stretch, you had the World Series, the Super Bowl, and the Final Four in one building. 
Yep. And everyone realized, wow, that weather sucks. We're never doing that again. <laughs> At least until 2018. I contend, by the way, and I have a friend I work with who's a, who's a diehard Redskins fan. And he, uh, I said to him, I said, I think that 91 team is better than the 82 team that won Super Bowl 17. Because everybody loves that, that 82 team. Oh, I agree. Um, and here we go. What a what an oh. entrance for the stinger. Oh. Walking out of a a platform of stairs, I think that's supposed to be. There's your big pyro budget for the night. So Sting's trying to be the world champ for the second time. Yes, of course, Sting won the title. Uh, his first championship back at the 1990 Great American Bash, he defeated uh, Ric Flair, and then Flair won it back from him, I don't know, sometime. At the Meadowlands. Yeah. After Starcade. Because that was yeah, the whole Black Scorpion. Speaking of, our, speaking of Ole Anderson, that was the whole Black Scorpion thing. Yeah. Speaking of Ole, rest in peace. Fitting. I think, that, you know what? I, I, I think I like your reasoning, Mr. Diener. I believe that our wonderful fans voted this show to honor the Stinger this month yeah. as we head into AEW Revolution. I, I, I'm going to contend that. Well, here comes Lex. Yep, in what would be his final match in WCW for almost three and a half years until we are once again in the state of Minnesota. Oh. Of course, that's the WCW world title because the big gold belt is uh, in in uh, the WWF. <laughs> yeah. I like that sign right there. Well, that's right. He's He's been training for 30 days. That's right. They like that shit. They like doing that shit. He wasn't holding down a full wrestling schedule, eating probably three or four times a day, getting plenty of sleep. Also, remember, Lex is on his way to the WBF after this. Well, there was two. I, I was just thinking about that while we were doing this. I think there were two reasons. Number one, I think he wanted to try the bodybuilding thing. But number two, I think it was an excuse to have Luger on TV without breaking the no compete. Yeah, because Luger would not officially be a, quote, wrestler until he debuted and not in a wrestling capacity, but his character debuted at the, uh, at the, um, rumble 19, uh, at the 1993 Royal rumble. Yeah. That's what I think it was. I think it was part, I think it was mostly that it gave, it gave, uh, the WWF a chance to have him on camera without technically being in the WW. I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't think they built the WBF just for Luger. Vince had a total fucking chubby for wanting a bodybuilding company. So I think he was going to do that without Luger, but it just worked out for Vince that he could put Luger 
in the WBF so he could be on camera without technically being a a uh, wrestler. Um, WWF guy, yeah. But of course, um, JR mentioned that uh, the history between both of those two, because uh, I think when Luger won Rookie of the Year in PWI, Sting was the runner-up. Oh, nice Daffy Duck shirt this one fan has. <laughs> uh, um, and also, Lex and Sting won the Crockett Cup in 88. Yes, they did. The Sting-Luger relationship is like one of those uh, those long-standing themes that goes throughout WCW, especially when Lex comes back in uh, 95. Because I always thought um, it was so brilliant when that Lex would be a heel, except when he was around Sting. I know. Sting would make him a better person. My all-time favorite was the when Sting and Luger won the tag belts from Harlem Heat, and Sting, I think, I think no, it was Luger who nailed Booker with a uh, roll of quarters from Jimmy Hart. <laughs> oh. So while we're uh, while we're stalling here, mm-hmm. Scott, how about we talk about what's to come next month? The uh, choice. Yes, it is time. You are correct. We are in the main event. So obviously in March, uh, it will be of course WrestleMania month. So um, our three choices we wanted to do, well, we cheated a little bit. We wanted to do one from the '80s, one from the '90s, and one from the 2000s. I Vetoed, although Greg really agreed with me. We were not going to do any any WrestleManias from the 2010s because I did not want to be no. on a pay-per-view for seven and a half hours. So no pay, no WrestleMania. But we want to do one from the 80s, one from the 90s, and one from the 2000s. Now, the first one were kind of cheating because technically it was in the 90s, but it has like an 80s feel to it. So the first choice will be WrestleMania 6. April 1st, 1990, from Skydome in Toronto. The Ultimate Challenge, one of my favorite demolition pops. That that could be a fun show to watch. Choice number two, uh, Greg kind of alluded to it earlier when he was talking about um, the city of Chicago. WrestleMania 13 from 1997. Of course, arguably if not the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, maybe even the greatest match ever, period. Of course, Bret Hart, Stone Cold, the I Quit. We got Sid and Taker, not Sid pooping his pants. Uh, we have uh, Shawn Michaels' awesome commentary when Bret comes out. Jesus! I, that always makes me laugh. And then, uh, and, we, and then we have Young Rocky. 
and Young Rocky against uh, the Sultan. Um, and then the third one uh, is from a venue that we already just mentioned. WrestleMania 18, or X8 if you want to be vintage, from 2002, also at Skydome in Toronto. So two of the three WrestleMania choices for next month's ballot will be from my beloved Mark Poyer's home area of Toronto, as they say. It's not Toronto, it's Toronto. Um, so that ballot will go up uh, second week of March. So that would be the ninth. Monday, March 11th, the ballot will go up. You will have exactly a week till March 18th, the day after Selection Sunday. And then uh, the final Wednesday of the month, that will be posted. So there you go. So WrestleMania 6, WrestleMania 13, or WrestleMania 18 are your choices. So think about it, and you'll be voting in a couple of weeks. I, I got to be honest, Scott. I know privately you're hoping for WrestleMania 18 because of Triple H in the main Well, event. that is true. True. But I – listen – all three of those main events are three of my favorites. Plus, we're going to get Hogan, Rock, which is awesome. Um, a lot of the other matches, there's some other good matches on that show. But we could get the ultimate challenge. Yeah. I, I could I could, I could, could watch Hogan Warrior over and over and over again. That's like one of my favorite matches ever. Definitely. And then WrestleMania, oh, I'm sorry. And then WrestleMania 13, you got Steven and, and Brett. Which, so there's a lot of hooks for, for all three of those choices. Luger is uh, working Sting over. Sting in white with uh, burgundy uh, boots. Luger wearing his usual shiny something, in this case, shiny blue. And this would, would seriously be it. Luger would lose this match, and we would not see him on a WCW screen again until that first Nitro on September 4th, 1995. In front of the great train store. Yes, and Pasta Mania. Um, uh, it's amazing how much of college that I was in, because Luger spent most of my college year, actually all of my college years, in the WWF. Yeah, because I was a freshman in college when this when this uh, uh, show was happening. Um, so between this moment, I had already graduated from college by the beginning of Nitro. So most of my college years, 
Luger was in the WWF. It's pretty funny. God, Luger's so gassed, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. One move, walk around in a circle, catch my breath, because I don't have any. <laughs> I think the worst example of him being gassed, it breaks my heart, too, because I, I loved his opponent, is, this, is the previous October when he wrestled Ron Simmons in that two out of three falls at Halloween Havoc 91. Uh, he is like totally fucking blown up in that match. Totally blown up. But he is, uh, Sting is uh, taking a licking. I wonder what the issue was. Money? I'm assuming Luger just wanted to get paid. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, because he was pretty much main event guy throughout his time in uh, in WCW. I got to say, with um, considering we're just less than a week away of Sting's career wrapping up, it's hard to believe we're nearing the end. Uh, I, I have to agree. Um, I, uh, it's amazing. I mean, obviously, most of his run in uh, most of his run in. AEW, pretty much Darby Allen does all the heavy lifting, but uh I mean what a what a resume, you know. WWF career aside. <laughs> um it's uh it's pretty amazing. I mean he's multi time world champion. And I eventually, because I don't really remember it much, I'm gonna eventually delve into his TNA career. Oh yeah. Because you know, because a lot of that TNA, you know, that 2000, whatever, 2007 through like 2013, like that whole stretch. I, I don't remember much of that at all. Or maybe two, when did he get there? 2006? Well, he had like a brief run in the uh, Asylum era. Well, he's in the main event. The only thing I remember is he's in the main event with Jarrett in that first Bound for Glory that Kurt Angle debuted, which was 2006. And then, of course, you got like crazy... Uh, Joker, uh, Joker Sting, and that was what, like 2011? Yeah, Joker Sting was awesome. I got not yeah. lie. Um, I'm wondering, do you think Sting will come out? I'm predicting this. Do you think Sting will come out, uh, Sunday night with blonde hair and like brighter, 
Because it's the last, the last match. Because it's the last one. I don't think he'll wrestle without a shirt because he's no, obviously not. But well, that'd be cool. 60s, it'd be but. cool. Be cool if uh, for the last match, yeah. Wow, good recovery by Sting there. I mean, he went out flush over the top rope and had enough wherewithal to hang on to the top rope and land on his feet. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd have been in a, in a world of shit. Oh, now, uh, now, uh, uh, what's Dennis, his name there? Dennis Sipowitz. Showing... Yeah, Sipowitz <laughs> is getting excited now. Oh, Harley, Harley just took a nice bump. I think this is it. One, two, three. Yeah. And Sting is your new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And that is the farewell to Lex Luger, his last match in WCW until September of 1995. What's funny is Luger gets a pretty easy rest of 1992. He gets paid out the rest of this deal. And then Vince pays him to pretty much do nothing throughout all of 19, the rest of 1992. Yeah. He really doesn't have to work real hard until he debuts as the narcissist at the 93 Rumble and then starts building to his match with uh, Perfect at WrestleMania 9. Yeah. Well, except if he didn't have the motorcycle accident, he'd have like a pretty great 92. Oh, that's true. I forgot that was the motorcycle accident. And yeah. then, of course, we would begin the we would begin the uh, bionic forearm storyline. So, but a hot crowd at the Mecca. Tons of different colored tops. That kid's holding the WWF world title. Get his ass out of there. <laughs> I had that foam belt. I had all the foam belts. There he is. He's holding the WWF foam belt. <laughs> that's awesome. Actually, I, WCW, I think I, WCW did have a foam belt. Yeah. Or maybe that's the big gold belt. Well, I think that's is. supposed to be I think that's supposed to be the big gold belt. Yeah, I think it is too. I did have the WCW foam belt that was supposed to look like the belt that Sting has now. Yeah, the WCW belts that that time was a very underrated design. A nice uh, design there from Reg Pork. I agree. I I love that belt. I've always wanted uh, to get a replica. I think it's on uh, shop.com. It's probably not cheap. Well, none of the belts are cheap, I should say. But So WWE. now... Uh, WWE shop.com, a fanatics experience. Yeah. I wonder if the t I wonder if the t-shirts are going to start fitting as shitty as the fucking MLB jerseys are. <laughs> God, they look like all these MLB jerseys look like they fell off the back of a fucking truck. They're terrible. The Chinese knockoffs will probably look. They are. They're, they are. It's ridiculous. Trust me. I own many of them in my closet. Wow, look at that guy's mullet slash WCW. Oh, he's a security guy. I thought he was a fan. <laughs> so JR and Jesse are uh, yakking it up, finishing things up. I'm sure we'll get, uh, we'll probably get Bischoff and uh, and Tony to wrap it up. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, he's just pointing at Sting. Sting's still Sting. Sting's celebrating with the fans. Yeah. Yep. So Sting is 
once again on top as WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And Lex Luger is off to the WBF. So um, now we have the fireworks. And um, as the credits credits go up, uh, I have to say, Greg, better episode than I think even you might have thought. Yeah, definitely. Great top to bottom show. I like it. Great matches in the middle. Obviously, Pillman, the new light heavyweight champion in a great match. The tags were good. Even Rude and Steamboat. They had a they had the one botch with the ropes, but I mean that was tough, and a nice quick easy. I think let me look at the total twelve thirty seven was the match t- length for Luger and Sting, which is perfect length for the two of them. And uh, Stinger's your new champion. We had a we had a Dusty Slash Blackburn finish that kept the tag titles on the Dangerous Alliance. Uh, so uh, any final words, uh, Mister Diener, before we head out? Well, uh, this was a very good show, very enjoyable, and I'm very much looking forward to what's to come in March to see what you, the audience, will pick for our WrestleMania edition. Yes. So uh, follow us on Twitter at PTBN Wrestling. Um, we have a bunch of great shows this week. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, you listened to With This Ring uh, yesterday. Um, then, uh, tomorrow, new episode of nation invasion. We have a special episode of main event Friday. Uh, uh, we are going to preview. Um, we are going to, uh, preview, uh, AEW revolution, quick pod blast for that new episode of who's next NXT, et cetera, et cetera. So again, keep a lookout on Monday, March 11th will be the ballot dropping on the place to be. Facebook page, WrestleMania 6, WrestleMania 13, or WrestleMania 18. You pick, you vote, Greg and I will watch, and it will drop the last Wednesday of March. So, have a wonderful uh, leap year day. Well, there is one tomorrow if you listen to this, so it does fit. And uh, enjoy the NCAA tournament, because by the time Greg and I talk to you again, I think we'll be set for the final four, at least get to the regionals, something like that. In any event, have a wonderful month of March. We'll see you on the road to WrestleMania, and we will take a ride on WrestleMania's WrestleTracks. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean. Yeah, we're quiet
gets high on 